JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. All of the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. We're live at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. We've got some big deals that are going on as we move forward to the weekend. And uh, we'll talk about that with a variety of folks up here. Love coming up here as we normally do. And you know we have our Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day. Of course, we'll be doing that as usual on this particular Wednesday. But we are talking up. And supporting Friday and Saturday, the big deal known as the Breeders' Crown. Now, obviously, I'm going to have to lean on somebody a lot smarter than me to talk about that. And we'll do that over the course of the afternoon here. But if you're in and around Madison County, up here around Anderson, and you got a couple of minutes to stop on by, we would love to see you out here. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino, we are in Anderson again. The Breeders' Crown is taking place coming up on Thursday. Checked it. I'm sorry. Friday and Saturday for that. Our guy Tony Renz is uh, around here as well. We'll talk to him and some others over course of the afternoon. And look for you here at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson here until after six, which means we got Pacer Hoopage tonight, right? So that means we have a little bit of anything goes. I can't remember the last time we actually went. With anything goes, but anything goes is back at you coming up later on tonight. That's in the six o'clock hour, five o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen, I believe, is going to be here coming up in the five o'clock hour. Um, he was out among those that cover the Colts a little bit earlier today regarding Michael Pittman Jr. I'll jump into that coming up in a minute. That is, I don't want to say breaking news. That's way too dramatic. Uh, that is sound that took place a little bit earlier this afternoon. In case you did not hear the explanation that Michael Pittman Jr. had inside the locker room today during media availability for the Colts. We'll give you some bits and pieces of it, but I can also tell you it's basically what um, I talked about 
it was over the past two days. You know, and people were saying, well, you clearly, you know, he's had representation, you know, telling him what to say. I, I don't think so. That's just who he is. I mean, he's savvy enough to know that, hey, heat of the moment, maybe I didn't say the right thing. Now we've had time, 48 hours, to chill out a little bit. Now I'm going to say the right thing. I don't think he has to be told that whatsoever. We'll get into that coming up in just a minute. Jim Mercer was tweeting last night that Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, successful surgery out in Los Angeles. We'll go over that. And then the mention a little bit further that they've been informed by the NFL that those two flags late were uh, inaccurate throwing of the flag. I'm going to get into that in just a second, too, because I want to double back to and this this comes about all the time. And normally it comes about when when you are in defense or you blame the officials and you cover a local team and you do a local show, people are going to rush to judgment that, hey, you're just a big homer. I'm going to give you facts and understanding as to why maybe sometimes that is the case, but not always the case and why it's okay Sometimes over the course of the game, you have those officiating it screw up and you can lay the blame there. It's okay to lay the blame there. Not every time because it doesn't happen that way every time. But when it is justified, do it. We'll get into that coming up in a minute too. Meantime, Pacers in their home opener. It's later on tonight. Gamebridge Fieldhouse cannot wait. I am curious, and I'll get your thoughts over the course of the afternoon when you guys call in. If you, this is not a question of the day by any stretch of the imagination, but I will ask you, I have set the win total at 45. Who's going over? Who's going under? Who believes that I will hit this thing on the mark? Meaning, do you think that I went a little bit too over? 25 to 35 to 45, is that just way too much in your estimation? Or do you think it's going to be somewhere in that neighborhood? All right, so we got a lot of time to talk about that, of course. It's the Wizards and the Pacers. I can't remember. It's certainly been more than a handful of years the last time that this many people were excited about this product when it hits the floor, as it will, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up later on tonight. You guys all kind of feel that excitement. I think it's understandable. There is a reason to be excited. I mean, even if it's October, even if it's October and you go, well, you know, the season is so long, there is so much time. You know, I really don't start paying attention until Christmas or the turn of the calendar or the trade deadline or down the stretch to see where they are. I'm going to tell you, if you're like me and you think this team has the opportunity to win 45 to get that much better from the team that we saw in the season a year ago at 35, you got to take advantage of this early season schedule. I mean, even with uh, the whole tournament thing that we'll talk about, I'm sure, but all this in mind, you have to take advantage of the early season schedule. It counts all the time, and I know often we reflect on it and go, yeah, that wasn't that big of a deal. I just think for the Pacers to get to where they need to be, they need to get off with this particular schedule, the way that it lines out. They need to get off to a good start. 
and that's against the Wizards coming up later on tonight. Evan Sidery of Forbes, he's got his own Substack column now as well. Evan does a great job around the NBA and talking about the Pacers. Evan's going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, and we'll discuss that and why or why not in this case. The Pacers should be as good as I believe them to be at 45 coming out of that Eastern Conference this season. If you watched last night, a lot of entertainment. Uh, Denver looked like Denver when they ended the season and winning the NBA title. <laughs> uh, Golden State and Phoenix was really fun. I, I can't get past this. I wonder... I mean, obviously, you got Steph Curry, Draymond Green will be back. You have, you know, Clay Thompson. You know, Golden State is Golden State, but you kind of wonder if this small ball thing is going to truly work out for them again this year. And you also wonder watching Phoenix, while at night number one, you know, you're getting participation from Eric Gordon Jr. and a couple of big shots. What did I say, Eric Gordon Jr.? <laughs> you're getting participation from Eric Gordon with a couple of big shots down the stretch. Uh, you're getting guys off the bench, giving you some minutes. The thing that you notice about Phoenix is, and obviously without Bradley Beal last night, that ultimately you're going to point at, do they have enough? And not in terms uh, of main line, front line, high caliber players, because they do have that with Booker and Durant and Beal when he is active. But just enough players in general is what you think about. Like two different storylines, I thought, last night in terms of the Warriors and the Suns. And we'll dive into that and certainly the Pacers as we start the season later on tonight at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Evan Sidery is going to join us coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. All right, Michael Pittman Jr. met with the media a little bit earlier today. Uh, our Kevin Bowen was out there. We'll talk with him about that. And I had mentioned this. I thought that he hit all the right notes. Others have mentioned, well, he has to. Clearly, his representation got to him and helped dictate what he was going to say. And I'm always kind of quick to remind him that what Michael Pittman Jr. said in front of the media today about that, and in fact, I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. My thought was, all right, and obviously we got Brad Spielberger yesterday talking about the presence of Denzel Ward and what the Colts were trying to do offensively. But I said a couple of different things. It was a disappointing loss, one in which, and we know this to be certain now, the team felt like was stolen from them, disappointing across the board. They're not going to say it now. They're all going to move on just like their head coach. But 15, 20 minutes after the fact, you're not feeling good. You got five targets. You went 75 on a catch and run for a touchdown. You feel that you had gas left in the tank, gas that was not utilized, and you're salty. And then you factor in that Michael Pittman Jr. can be salty anyway. This is what one of like three things in answering questions today that Michael Pittman Jr. talked about in terms of of when he was asked about how many opportunities he got after that loss of the Browns on Sunday and talking about his reaction compared to his reaction, thinking about it 48 hours later. 
I kind of wanted to come here and kind of clear that up. I mean, obviously, it was a very frustrating loss the way that it happened. And uh, I've never been a good loser. I'm actually a very poor sport. It's something that I've been working on like my whole life. Um, and it's just hard for me sometimes. And, and uh, when, like, you lose, sometimes you lose your composure. You, like, lose your head. And um, and I think I I uh, was a little dramatic like, when I said that. Um, obviously, I am a big part of this offense. Like, I lead the team in target. And, and um, stuff like that. So you know, like, like, just like it was out of frustration, and um, and I just wanted to clear up that I love playing here, that I love Indy and um, everything that we do here. Um, and um, I'm excited for this uh, week coming up. And and yeah, I mean, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, it's Michael Pittman Jr. earlier today in the Colts locker room. Let me tell you this: that was a perfect way to put it. That was really the only way he could put it. Because that's exactly what he was thinking. He doesn't need to be prompted to tell you that. Yeah, I don't care if it is, you know, a contract situation where he's looking for a big money, high value, long term extension. He doesn't need to be told that. If you've listened to him talk before, you know where all this comes from. He called himself a bad loser. Guys that compete at that level, and I mean compete. Not not like us jacking around at the local gym or competing. You know how we talk about it, how people talk about it on Twitter, you know, like they've done something before. I mean, these guys are actually doing something right now. You know, we're just jacking around. Yeah, you know what? I'm really competitive. Oh, you know what? My kids are really competitive. Oh, everybody's really competitive. This is for real and a different level altogether. And he didn't have to be prompted to say that. So he absolutely went down the path of being right, as we all expected. And part of what he mentioned right there is what I want to get to right now. And that is being disappointed. Being disappointed by a loss to a team that you felt you could have, you should have beaten. A team that would be in quarterback by P.J. Walker. A team defensively that's so lauded going in and offensively. The Colts tore him up. And again, it was not at all without mistakes. There is no question at the end of the half, the head coach made mistakes. Put his team, put his players, put his offense in a bad situation. In a variety of ways in a couple of series right there. You just put guys where you should know better in a bad situation. It's like, well, you know, is Gardner Minshew and he's a veteran, but we have seen his response in situations like that so far. You want to keep him as far away as possible. And if it comes to suggesting that you need to protect him from himself, I'm okay with saying it that way. You got to protect him from himself. You got to protect him from sitting back there in the end zone because now the play is called and you're looking down the field you got to understand what is lingering. And I've said this on Monday. You did wave fresh meat in front of arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. And you lost on that. Now, the other aspect beyond all of that, all the on-the-field stuff, all the stuff that is within your realm of control, There's also the frustration factor of when you get screwed out of your mind. 
We've all been screwed out of our mind. We've all been hosed. I'm assuming we've all been hosed at times to where the description has been accurate. All right, so maybe back when, before we were more mature, you know, before you were old and crusty and now you're a veteran when you were playing, right? You probably felt that you got screwed by those that are calling the fouls, those that are officiating a lot more often than you actually did. But what you're allowed to identify, I completely get it. If you're covering any team, if you're covering this Colts team, you do not want to come across, especially if you're sitting right here, you do not want to come across as a homer. As, you know what, everything is okay even when you're losing. Or, you know, you can't blame the officials in this case because you had plenty of opportunities to make it up earlier in the game, and you know what, you didn't. You just simply didn't do enough. Nobody wants to hear excuses. But I'm here to tell you this. I don't care what it is. If it involves the play on the field, if it involves the coaching, if it involves the decisions made up in the box, if it involves decisions coming from the owner's office, it does not matter, including officiating. When it is justified, it is stinking okay to blame it. Place blame on it. And that's why I talked about the past couple of days. Sometimes I have a lot of fun, especially with NBA officiating. There's nothing more enjoyable other than basketball itself. Nothing more enjoyable than having fun and talking junk at the expense of NBA officials. Because I do think oftentimes, and again, my opinion is skewed on that. doesn't matter if it's the Pacers or anybody. I think oftentimes these guys are, are a little beyond. Right? And I think that's legit. You know, I, I know it's been mentioned before, the whole best in the world, and I, I guess you have to be at least on some level, the best in the world to get to where you are. But that doesn't mean you're without flaws and you're not going to make a mistake or you're not going to make multiple mistakes. We all do. It happens to us all. You're incredibly lucky if it's never happened to you. But I will say this. If you identified Sunday, and especially that second to last flag, as the reason why the Colts lost that game. You're justified in doing that without being a homer by what the owner tweeted last night. If that is indeed what he was told by the NFL, you are 100% justified. I always talk about it in terms of this. We've been around one another for what? The better part of 19 years, 19 plus years, if you want to talk about doing Sundays or working with Mark or whatever. And I don't think that oftentimes I come on here and blame a loss solely on officiating. I mean, you know, you get back to hold the flake gate. I thought that was a joke. I thought that was stupid. I mean, they got their ass whipped. They would have got their ass whipped no matter what type of inflation, no matter what type of ball, no matter where they were playing. They would have been whipped. So never did jump on that. But it is okay if an official's call costs the team that you're covering the game and you call it like you see it because that's what you do everywhere else. You know, that's what you do with the team. That's what you do with the coaching strategy. 
the game managing, you know, the substitution, the targets. I mean, all that crap. All that other stuff we break down to a T. So why not, especially now knowing that the most important play of the game was botched where you had won the game. The Colts had literally won the game. It is okay to call that out. And you are not a homer. That doesn't make you a homer. That doesn't make me one. What it makes us is accurate in what we saw. The Colts got screwed. Oh, well, they could have made it up in the first half. Here's the difference. They had the entire second half to make up for that. You could not make up from it, for it from that point. And unless you're going to try to keep this team out of the end zone, which ultimately they didn't. And we're not even going to get into the second flag, which put them right down there. I mean, hell, ultimately, Kareem Hunt barely got in anyway. But you don't have that amount of time. It is different. And it can be the main blame. They won that game. They won that game. And again, if what Jim Marseille had tweeted last night is accurate, and we'll find out, I guess, how pissed the NFL will be because I'm assuming we're all assuming they didn't like him tweeting about that last night. It is okay. So raise the glass if you blamed that play. And I did. I firmly blamed it. They were going off the field. It was over. That is a big deal. That is something we talk about all the time. You know, calls are missed here or there. You know, that's a moment you can't botch. You're going to say, well, you can't botch anything in the first quarter or the second quarter. Again, you've got ample time to make up for it. I think we all agree that Shane Steichen and those final two series of the first half didn't call a great game by any stretch. I thought the rest of the game plan was awesome offensively. But, you know, those two series certainly left a lot to be desired, and they were costly, 10 points costly. But you can't get out of the fact that a blown call costs you the game. So I want to make sure everybody out there that either was blamed for being a homer or said you don't understand football because you placed the blame on the officials. If somebody told you that in the past two days, tell them to shove it straight up the rear end because you have been justified. We have been justified. Oh, I know there are a myriad of things that happen over games here and there that could help dictate dictate the chances between winning and losing. But that particular call, that call made the choice. That call made the choice for them. And that's what I thought about last night when I saw the tweet courtesy of Jim Irsay. And I do want to get your thoughts on that. Because I know a lot of you have been taking a lot of crap over that. Ah, oh, you're just a Colts homer. Eh, no. I think we pretty much give them as much crap as anybody else might in this particular position. It doesn't really matter. You know what? They don't care. But at the same time, we talked about the last 48 hours, how that was the most significant of roles in that game on Sunday. And if indeed what Jim Mercer had tweeted was accurate from the NFL, if that was the news... That goes to show you that you and me, we were right about that. You know, no matter what you did at the end of the first half, no matter what you did in the first quarter or the third quarter, we really, that game came down to that. You were winning the game, and then you didn't. So you're justified. Not all the time. 
but this time you absolutely were. All right, we can hit that at 239-1070. Email address at jmv1075thefan.com. We're inside the lounge via YouTube Live. <laughs> you know, it, you guys don't care about this, and I'm going to hit a break in just a second. But I mentioned Chris Mad Dog Russo yesterday saying that if the Diamondbacks came back to win the NLCS, that he would retire. The dude's been around sports and talking about it since Moses was a baby. Seriously, at a high level, incredibly high level. Just fantastic at what he's done. How, how do you put yourself in that situation now to where you look like a clown? Because you don't retire, and now you change that up. Man, I'm going to tell you, sports now more than ever, you can never say never. Never. Even if it looks absolutely ridiculous. When he said that, I thought, I don't know about this. You just don't go that far, right? I know you feel like you got to make some big stand here, and this is how confident I am. But honestly, you got to retire. You got to retire, don't you? If you say, you know what? If they come back and win this, they being the Diamondbacks, I got to retire. So now, now you're going to have that weight. You're going to have that weight. Every time you get on any social media, anytime you talk to somebody, that is going to be the first thing anybody ever talks about. And they have to drive you nuts. And man, you got to know better. Believe me, I'll screw this up. I'll screw this up often. But the one thing that I think it would be tough for me to screw up is believing that anything is an absolute. I mean, we've been down this road too much, right? For anything to be an absolute. I found that hilarious. I think now, I think on the Stern show, he's going to wear a bikini or something. <laughs> but just don't put yourself in that situation. I was shocked that even somebody like that, who is known for hardcore opinions, put himself in that situation to look, I mean, like a clown and have to wear that for the rest of his life now, no matter how much time he has. Probably doesn't care because ultimately, man, he's all over the place and he's really good at what he does and has been doing that at that high level for a long time. But, man, that's a clown show right there. It's almost like you got you to retire from something, don't you? I mean, retire from something. Don't just say, oh, yeah, well, here's something else. Let me go ahead and revise my bet. Does not work in this world of absolutes, does it? So don't go there. Quick break, and we'll come back. Pacers home opener later on tonight. Michael Pittman Jr. Preparation for the Saints coming up on Sunday and Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in a big weekend upcoming. We're in Anderson. We'd love to see you. The Windschulers Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. Also, Windschulers, a sponsor of the ride with JMV. The stream, the app, HD Radio. When we're back after this on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. With JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Oh, the Breeders' Crown coming up Friday and Saturday. That's a big deal. We're going to talk that up with Jessica coming up here in just a bit. So you're hanging around for that. Bob had just sent me a tweet. 
reads as follows. I'm just tuning in. Are you saying that you have an issue with Ursay coming out with the NFL and what they told him? No, I don't. I, I have an issue with this. I think there are times, much like what we saw on Sunday, that justify the officiating costing you the game. And you don't always have to go back because you think you're going to roll up in a situation of manliness, of I'm never blaming anything on anything other than what happens on the field or the way that we play. We can control everything. Yeah, can, clearly you couldn't control that situation. I mean, again, yeah, even if you try to justify Daryl Baker Jr. or whatever, if what the NFL told Jim Irsay is 100% accurate, then I like it. I just think there are times when it's okay to do it. Like I'm around so many that just think, well, regardless of what happens, you never blame the officials. In that case on Sunday, you can. That case on Sunday, you can. And I, I, listen, I know the rest of it with Jim Irsay once, you know, inside two minutes, something like that. You know, everything, even the, the penalties to be reviewed. I mean, I guess they tried something like this, I think, prior to what going back to 2019, and it seems disastrous. There was once upon a time when I know I used to talk about how, hey, let technology take over, and if you can change it, change it. I, I, I bounce back and forth. I guess what I would have to see is the actual execution, because I do come from an old school, and I don't blame everything on officiating like some may, and you would call them whiners, and that's okay. But I just think that everything can be different. And you had a different situation on Sunday. So, frankly, I was glad that Jim Irsay tweeted regarding being told that by the NFL uh, what he did. And if he gets fined or slapped on the hand or whatever about it from the NFL, then so be it. He can handle it. But there are times we judge that just like we judge everything else especially in that situation. I mean, we let go all these judgment calls, right? You know, four quarters of a game, play-by-play basis. You know, somebody got their hands in there, somebody didn't. That should have been a pass interference. It wasn't. That was a hold. That's not. Yeah, I'm not talking about that, but when an actual flag does cost you the game, it's okay to say that. You're not going to lose your manliness card if you say that. And especially when you say that and you're accurate. So, no, I am mine whatsoever. Just kind of justified what we've talked about for the past couple of days. And I'm certainly down with that. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Jessica is going to join us coming up in a minute. Evan Sidery talks about the opening of the NBA campaign for the Pacers later on tonight. And Bowen was in the Colts locker room and heard from Michael Pittman Jr. a little bit earlier today. We'll talk to Kev in the 5 o'clock hour. Bullseye passes, too. Don't forget about that. Jeremiah is at 239-1070. Hello, Jeremiah. How are you? I'm great, Jambi. Thanks for taking my call, buddy. You know what, brother? I, I got to tell you, hands down, your show Saturday was phenomenal. Uh, we had a blast <laughs> letting you be our DJ. Did so, you have a party? Another, Good party. Oh, yeah, we we had a great party. And you were our DJ, and everyone enjoyed it. So thanks thanks again for another job well done. Outstanding. Halloween party coming up on Saturday, even though it's October the 28th. Why not? Might as well. Uh, Why not? I kind of uh, agree but disagree with you in regards to the uh, the Colts and the loss. I think that, uh, yeah, the, the, the flag was egregious. 
obviously that's something that should be in the rule book as being reviewable as much as I hate replay. And I know you despise it as well, but the fact is, you know, Minshew fumbles the ball in the end zone. That's not the official's fault. That's, that's Minshew. And you had uh, someone on, I think last week talking about how Minshew is a smaller quarterback and is likely to fumble the ball more apt than someone like Richardson or bigger quarterbacks. I, I, I don't, discredit the fact that the penalty was horrible but now I think Ursay's kind of put a bullseye on the Colts for the next game in regard to officiating because maybe they're going to be more critical of the Colts not so much the opponents I mean that's just kind of how I perceive it yeah hey Jeremiah thank you very much I'll talk at you guy for the Halloween show coming up on Saturday Um, I will respond to it this way I don't think the officials care about the Colts whatsoever I don't think the NFL is really going to care about the Colts whatsoever. We right now with a team under 500 that a lot of people didn't project to win too many games. Anyway, we live in this bubble where this all matters to us. I just don't think it matters like that anywhere else other than here. That's it. I mean, really? And it's, it all minimize that bubble even more. It's just like us. It's like me. And I'm just telling you, it is okay to justify it because Minshew did fumble in the first half. So you come out in the third quarter, you had the fourth quarter to make up for that. You didn't have any time to make up for that bullcrap illegal contact. They were running off the field. That game was over. You can't make up for that. Or if you could make up for it, it was going to be on the next play and then that next flag that also, according to Jim Irsay, was deemed inaccurate. I, I'm, there's no way to come back from really any of that. And really, the Colts did the best job possible to try to do that. To keep them out of the end zone. But there's, again, it's different. When things happen early in the game, you have time to double up, back up and make up for it. But you don't have time to make up for that. And all I'm saying is, I'm not saying blame every play and what about the officiating all the time. I'm just telling you that in that moment, in that game on Sunday, if you were ever going to be justified, that was it. If you were ever going to be justified for the reason why you lost to the Cleveland Browns, that's it. And again, I'd have to be proven wrong on this. I just don't think that anybody outside of us care. Like, I'm talking to the people that care right now. If I'm anywhere else in the United States, talking about sports right now, this would be last on the list of me talking about. Who cares? Nobody cares. I mean, honestly, they barely care nationally about the Colts. They have to be either incredibly good with Peyton Manning or an absolute circus of a mess like they were last year. That's really the only time anybody cares nationally. So, yeah, not so much on to that. Colleen's at 239-1070. Jeremiah, thank you for the call. Hello, Colleen. How are you? Hey, JMB, how are you? It was great to see you at Touchdown. Outstanding, yes. It was great to see you, too. Yeah, this is the point I want to make. I get so frustrated when people, like your previous caller, said, well, Minshew fumbled and this and that and the other thing. At the point in the game when those officials made those two horrible, horrible calls, 
we were ahead and there was like what a minute left and our defense was playing lights out yeah. i mean yes we did not play a perfect game but we were ahead so all that happened before that did not cause us to lose the game we were winning the game i go crazy because I've had this argument over the last couple of days with so many people that, no, those flags cost us the game. We were the better team. We were ahead. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to hyperventilate here, but you, you get my drift. And one other, one other um, point, you said nobody nationally cares. Greeny actually yeah. said this morning that um, Jim Irsay is his new best friend because he agreed totally with Jim Irsay releasing that tweet and saying, you know, that the officials were bad and everything. And thank you, Colleen. It was great to see you on, on Sunday. We'll look for you this Sunday as well. I, I mean, it, it, Jim Irsay has more than just, you know, justifying what a lot of us already knew regarding those two calls on Sunday. I mean, you're also trying to keep together morale on a team now that has lost a couple consecutive and going with a backup quarterback and you're thinking this, you know, this type of season may turn into what a lot of us thought it was going to be in the first place. And you want to, you know, help try to continue morale going. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting that it's not meaningful in why he said it, because I'm sure he was pissed, just like a lot of you were upset. And this is not some big, profound statement. I'm just suggesting to you that there are moments in our existence in sports where you can directly blame something outside of a mistake by you. I mean, there are others that play a role in this too. You know, same can be said with umpiring a game. Yeah, I think we're pretty fair and balanced for the most part, right? We're pretty fair and balanced on that. We don't bring it up too much, but when it has such a profound effect on the outcome of a game... I'm just not going to be old, you know, sports guy fart and tell you that, well, you know, if you'd have done this differently, okay, whatever. (laughs) Because you can't tell me that that did not cost you the game. It was over. So I don't know how many of these times we often have. Anybody else think about times in history with a team that you like where you can actually think about I'm sure a lot of umpires' calls, maybe strike calls in the past. And again, I understand completely that nobody but us cares about this. So I do get that part of it. But not surprising. And and again, when I mentioned Jim Irsay having a motive, certainly he does. Certainly he does, because that was a huge disappointment. And then most of the people will end up talking about what they did and did not do to end up winning that game. And as of last night, according to Jim, you're justified if you do want to point the finger at officiating. Doesn't happen very often, but in that case on Sunday, that was real. Quick break and we'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Jessica is going to sit down. We're going to talk about the big goings on on Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday or Thursday and Friday? Off the top of my head. Friday, I knew I was right. Friday, why do I? What? You know what? Sometimes I misjudge my own smarts real good. Friday and Saturday. Jessica's going to join us next. Sit tight. 
The Ride with JMV. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. We're in Anderson. Oh, man. Friday and Saturday. Big time up here. Breeders' Crown conversation. And Jessica Barnes, Director of Racing and Breed Development with the state of Indiana. Also, when you hear our Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day, has something to do with that as well. Jessica joins us now. So how much money are we talking about this weekend? Friday and Saturday up yeah. here at Hoosier Park. Purses to Horsemen that's going to be awarded is over $7.8 million. Is that like a record or anything like that? I think it is. Or is that commonplace? Nope. That's, this is a big weekend. This is a huge weekend. All right. Tell the folks out there if they're a novice in this, what what all this, this Friday and, or check that, yeah, Friday and Saturday up here, what all that entails. It is the Breeders' Crown Races. So this is the championship series of races for the standard bread industry. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with racing, standard bread, they're the ones that have the, the race bikes or, or sulkies behind them. Um, and this is their their championship series, championship races for North America. So the best horses in North America are going to be racing here at Hoosier Park on Friday and Saturday night. Wow. That's incredible, too. And all that money and all that fun. I'm just looking down there right now. I think everybody's thought of really everything in terms of entertainment value around here. Yeah, there's going to be a lot going on here. So it's just super exciting, super exciting for Indiana to be able to host this. Yeah. Um, Hoosier Park hosted the event in 2017, 2020, and and this year. So they're hosting it for the third time, um, which is a great accomplishment for our state and our program. And we actually have some Indiana horses that are going to compete. Well, so really? We have... Tell us more. Where are we from here? <laughs> yes. So part of my job with the Racing Commission is the Breed Development Program is we develop programs in Indiana to encourage the breeding of racehorses here. Because we believe horse racing is good for Indiana. When you breed horses here, you're contributing to Indiana's economy. Right. And we have eight horses that are going to be in the championship races over Friday and Saturday. Nice. So Now, how long have you been doing what you're doing? I have been with the Indiana Horse Racing Commission since 1999. Wow. <laughs> now, did you grow up a fan of horse racing or I did actually, this just kind of happen? Yes. My parents had standard bred racehorses growing up. Hmm. I never thought I'd end up in this industry. I started as a vocal performance major at IU. And Wait a minute. And, we were going to sing? <laughs> no, we're not going to sing anymore. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I was. Oh, yeah. Vocal I performance. Was, I was. I was did you vocal... ever sing a national anthem anywhere down there? I did at my high school. My high school you games. Did. I did. At what high school? Um, Gibson Southern. Southern Oh, Indiana. I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. Straight so out Gibson, of Hopstad is yeah. Jessica right yeah. there. So I then switched to journalism. So I wanted to work in journal- right. journalism. That's a and good move so to get out of that. Landed at, <laughs> yes. landed at the... Um, the state of Indiana and just have stayed. Loved it. Love what I do. Love the people that I work with and these programs. And I believe we do good things for Indiana. Jessica so. Barnes with us a big Friday and Saturday coming up here at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson also puts together what you guys love the race of the day Tuesday through Friday here. When I talk about racing going on up here through the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. of December, what's that entail? Tell the folks out there too. Um, that is going to be racing on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday yeah. here at Hoosier Park. And we go until I believe December 9th. That's what I thought so. the first couple of weeks for sure. Uh-huh. Pretty special. Where's Indiana rank according to those involved in horse racing? So in the standard bread world, um, we've done pretty well. So we've produced the horse of the year three consecutive mm. years in a row, 2015, 16, and 17. Um, 
we, like I said, we have um, nine horse or eight horses in the yep. Breeders' Town Championships. So we're producing quality racehorses. We're producing standard on the standard bred side about fourteen hundred horses a year in Indiana. So overall, the horse racing industry as a whole is a two billion dollar impact to Indiana economic impact Nothing wrong with that to the state yeah jessica barnes the pride of shelbyville nowadays huh? yes i like it down there and originally from gibson southern uh-huh oh, exactly. county. just, just <laughs> right off of 41 down there all right mm-hmm. if you if you go a little past princeton and then you get towards uh vandenberg county you get into yep. evansville my right hometown there. is actually owensville owensville so i'm owensburg yeah in there's green owensburg county down- yeah. I'm in Green County. That's where my mom is right now mm-hmm. as we speak. Jessica Barnes, Director of Racing and Breed Development with the state of Indiana. And people should get up here and get up here because it will be packed. Both it will Friday be packed. And, Saturday. and if you haven't gotten tickets yet, I think there might be a few available. Right. So go on to Ticketmaster. You can buy some tickets now. It's going to be an exciting couple of nights here. Thanks for so. having us up here. And thanks for doing Race of the Day. They love it. People oh, love it every single day right We're here. so happy to participate yeah. and have you. Um, tout horse racing and 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 talk about it uh, now that i know that we're southwestern indiana's finest yep. <laughs> right here too thank you jessica thank you thank you All for right. having me yeah this is great up here harris Hoosier park racing and casino in anderson more to come on that pacers home opener tonight evan cider is going to join us sit tight 93.5107 by the fan the ride with jmv give me my theme music <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. A shout out to Jessica, who was just really good with us. The pride of Owensville in southwestern Indiana. I once upon a time when I was 14, Team Green County. See you later, Jessica. Thank you for coming out. Team Green County in Babe Ruth. We had to go down to Princeton. We had to go down to Princeton and whip a little Princeton ass down there, right? We just marched right in, did a little bit of that. And then the best part about it, if you guys remember when you were young like that and away from home, you got to stay in a holodome. And it's so unfortunate that kids nowadays have no idea what it is like. And I know that you got teams and they stay in hotels and all that, but never get the opportunity to stay in a real holodome. You know what I mean, right? Inside four floors, you got the arcade on AstroTurf over here. You got pinball machines there. You got swimming pool right here. You got hot tub. The entire place is surrounded by plastic plants, and it smells like chlorine enough to choke you. But it is one of the greatest experiences of all time, and unfortunately... Our kids, this generation, will never be a part of that. But, man, they had a great one down in Princeton back then, too. We tore that thing up. <laughs> Celebrating. Now, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, speaking of celebration, both Evan Sider and I, Evan of Forbes, and he's got his own Substack column. We'll talk about that coming up in a minute, too. We love basketball. We love the NBA. Officially back last night with a couple of games. Here in Indy, back later on tonight at Cambridge Fieldhouse, Evan Sidery is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Man, it's really interesting to see what can happen, turn of events-wise, in a year. Last year at this time, it was, hey, 
This may really stink, but it's okay because you're going to blow it up and you're going to reboot. And that excites people around here because they're so used to losing, right? Now they just kind of fall in the category of, hey, we're going to celebrate. Let's lose. We're going to get a high draft pick and you know all that. But then the Pacers came out and gave you a reason, even in a season, Evan, in which they didn't make the postseason, to be excited about what is to come. And that begins later on tonight. Yeah, certainly, John. And thanks again for having me on. And talking like we did last year, I mean, heading into the season, I think even internally the Pacers front office thought we might be in the Victor Wembanyama race. We might win 20 to 25 games, have a really rough year. That was really known for a few months heading into the season. But then all of a sudden you see Tyrese Halliburton emerge into a superstar type of player. Bennett Matherin taking leaps forward in his game as a rookie. Andrew Nembhard shining. Buddy Hill having a career best year, as did Miles Turner. And now you added more depth to the mix. You had Bruce Brown. Who'd you just say right there? What was that name? Who? Miles Turner, John. Who is that guy? I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Evans. No, no, Miles, My- honestly, you saw last year, great fit next to Tyrese Halliburton as a potential 20 and 10 type of player. And then you add in Bruce Brown in the mix. You add in Jairus Walker. Might not be in the rotation just yet, but he looks like a very good piece to the puzzle here in Indiana. I think the expectation this year, John, is should be 40 to 45 wins. And if all goes well, if they stay healthy, this Pacers team did show last year too, even with not as much talent as they have on this year's roster, that they can win 40 to 45 games behind on the back of Tyrese Halliburton and see how this goes. So I think this Pacers team is going to be very, very exciting to watch. I think fans are very excited for that reason, for sure. Evan Sidery, I mentioned this. You're with Forbes now, and you have your own Substack column, correct? Mention that and, and how people can get to your content. Yeah, so you can find me on Forbes. I'm going to be contributing Pacers co- coverage over on Forbes, our sports section over there. I'm also be covering the NBA at large, too. Tony East also does great stuff with Forbes and that side, too, so I'll be helping out sometimes over there on Forbes. But then also my Substack, which is sourcessaid.substack.com. It's going to be my place where I type in all my NBA information all season long, my columns, my statistical deep dives, for example, on a lot of NBA teams, covering the whole league as a whole there. So that's sources said.substack.com. So it'll be a lot of fun to kind of do my own thing as well on top of that. So it'll be a really, really fun season. All right. What's your expectation? I said 45 wins for this group, and some have suggested that that may be a little bit too robust coming off a 35-win season of a year ago. What say you? I don't, actually. I think I'm actually in your camp here, John. I think 45 wins is what my baseline is going to be this year. I think they're a 45 to 46 win team, health dependent. I think if Tyrese Halliburton misses time, that does change the equation an awful lot, as we saw last year. The offense without Halliburton in the lineup is just drastically different. It's probably too much to overcome. But if Halliburton can stay healthy, if Miles Turner can stay healthy as their rim protector, and you can stay relatively healthy all across the roster with guys like Nemhart and Heald and the rest of them, I think it's a legitimate – surprise team in the NBA this year, John. I think a lot of people are still sleeping on nationally because if you have Bruce Brown and Buddy Hill as your fifth and sixth options on offense, I mean, this could be a really deep team. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. That if Tyrese Halliburton can be a 25-10 type of player, and Benedict Mathurin can take another step forward, and Miles Turner can be an an all-star type of big man, because he did show last year he could be an 18-20 point per game scorer, great four spacer, great defender. If he can play like he did last year, John, the the ceiling is really limitless for this Pacers team. And they're, I think, a year ahead of schedule here, too, because if they're building how they are now, I think by the time next year rolls around 2024, 2025, this should be a legitimately fortified Eastern Conference contender moving forward. Well, and and you're right about this. Injuries play such a significant role. And 
Now, this team was completely derailed when Halliburton went down a year ago. Did you think that that was, at the very least, maybe a play-in possibility had health remained in Halliburton, or at least certainly better than what we saw as we entered the new year this past year? Certainly, yeah. I think if Halliburton would have stayed healthy and they would have avoided that stretch for that, I think they won one out of 13 games for a couple-week stretch there. I think they probably would have been in a 9 or 10 seed and barely squeaked in the, in the playing tournament would have helped out that young group a little bit. But I think now when you had that stretch where you went onto that cold streak, you got in the lottery, got a legitimate, I think, bona fide type of defensive Swiss Army knife in Jairus Walker. I think it all worked out for him in the end. I think Jairus Walker will have a slower development because I think uh, tonight especially might not be in the rotation at all just because how deep this roster is. But I think moving forward here, if you can develop Jairus Walker and then you add him into the mix later on this season, that's just another player you can add into an already deep rotation. So I think looking back on it, it was a tough thing to do for Pacers fans having that tough stretch, but I think it worked out in the end for him. Evan Sidery of Forbes, and uh, certainly you can find his work on Substack, uh, covering the Pacers and the NBA with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you mentioned what we view right now as depth on this Pacers team. Who do you think is, is going to suffer those consequences early on here and get squeezed out of the rotation? It really feels like to me it's going to be probably one of those young bigs, either Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson. I think it's based off preseason action so far heading into tonight. I would imagine that Isaiah Jackson's the one squeezed out here. I think Jalen Smith did a little bit better in preseason than Isaiah Jackson did. I think we saw last year in small spurts, Daniel Tice is a veteran for this rotation, is a good option as well. So I would probably lean towards Isaiah Jackson. We saw it last year where he was kind of getting fizzled out of the rotation even more. But now heading into this season, I think he's probably the third, fourth big man on this roster, which is unfortunate for him because he needs that time on the court. But the Pacers are trying to win. I think Jalen Smith offshoot better shooting, and obviously Daniel Tice come up a great FIBA tournament for Germany too so I would say Isaiah Jackson on top of that I would say Jordan Nwora as well you know he had a great stretch for Indiana last year we remember that 20 I think it was 24 points in the first quarter against the Atlanta Hawks last year I have a hard time seeing him getting any minutes now with Matherin, Bruce Brown, Buddy Heald staying on the roster too and then TJ McConnell I, I don't know if we'll see him uh, off the rotation tonight after Andrew Nembhard having that kidney stone so they might ease him back into the mix there but I will be very intrigued John to see how they balance Nembhard and McConnell because I think they want to see Nemhart kind of run that second unit here. But as we all know, T.J. McConnell is that scrappy guy who's going to be really hard to take out of that rotation. So Evan Sidery joins us. How do you think this Buddy Heald off the bench thing is going to work? And, and not in terms of Buddy not being happy with it, but in terms of making sure, because I've, I've said this and I've emphasized it, they need to get better defensively on the perimeter. But I think what they need to do more than that is maintain their scoring prowess that we saw of a year ago. I don't think you can lose any of that because I don't think you're going to make it up enough on that defensive end. So how do you think Buddy Heald coming off the bench, what does he do to that that scoring that we saw a year ago with Buddy in the starting lineup? I think if he's fully bought into this role, John, I think he'll actually be a fantastic fit as the Pacers' sixth man. Because when you look at that second unit there, you have Nemhard, Aaron Neesmith, maybe Jalen Smith or Daniel Tice, maybe Ben Shepard, a couple minutes here and there. But 
Buddy Heal, with the way this roster constructed, he's going to need about 15 to 16 points per game off that bench for this Pacers team to be successful this season because there is not a lot of offense in that second unit. It's going to be a lot of Buddy Heal, and I think Buddy is going to love that role because he can take 10 to 12 shots a game, get his points, get his threes up. I think that's the way it's going to be. He's going to come in as a sixth man, play a lot of minutes alongside the starters and Matherin and Halliburton on the wing. But also, I think we're going to see him play a lot of minutes in the second unit just to be that energizer for that unit because there's not a lot of offense there. It's a lot of defense, a lot of potential with guys like Jairus Walker, Jalen Smith, potentially in that front court as well. So I think if Buddy Heald's completely bought in, John, I know the contract situation is still a little murky right now, but I think he's a player that should be getting 30-plus minutes per game still and really play a huge role for this team this year. You mentioned Walker and then Shepard as well, the two first-round selections back in June. Minute-wise, what's your expectation tonight and then as we muddle through here the early portion of the season? Tonight, honestly, I would not be surprised if neither one play. Just based off this rotation, how deep it is right now, the second unit, like I just went over there, you're going to have Buddy Heal, TJ McConnell, Andrew Nemhart, Aaron Neesmith, one of those centers and Smith and Tice or maybe Isaiah Jackson there as well. That's already four, five, six guys there on top of the rookies. And I think we saw last year Rick Carla, he will take his time, even if the fans don't like it, with Bennett and Matherin and how he was easing him into the mix last year. I'm going to see it on even more so a bigger scale this year with Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard because of how deep and talented this roster is. They can be the 11th, 12th guys currently. And then once December or January rolls around, they get their feet more wet in the NBA. I think then you'll see probably Jairus Walker get about 15, 20 minutes per game. And as the season progresses more and more and more, those guys get more action. And I think maybe the deadline in February, John, if they do move Buddy Heal, if they do move another player on this roster, that could be when you fit in Walker and Ben Shepard in the Knicks for about 15, 20 minutes per game consistently. Obi Toppin. It's interesting because it, it seems like when he was in New York, most would suggest from the outside looking in that he wasn't utilized well enough. But others would suggest that he just didn't do what Tom Thibodeau wanted him to do because the Knicks were winning and they were winning without a lot of his his deep participation. Is this going to be a situation to where, especially at the end of the year, he put up big numbers and we saw him put up big numbers against this Pacer defense. Is that going to be transferable? Do you think that this is going to re-spark him offensively? Or was that late season a year ago offensive output more about the situations and the teams in which he was up against? I'm glad you brought up Obi Top in there, John, because I think he's one player I haven't touched on just yet. I think he's going to have a huge, huge year for Indiana because Tyrese Halliburton, we saw it last year with Miles Turner and with the, some of the young guys in Matherin and Nemhar, he makes players on offense better, whether it be in any situation. We saw Miles Turner last year get the easiest shots of his career because of Tyrese Halliburton. I think now with less pressure on his shoulders in Indiana, Tom Thibodeau wanted Obi Toppin to play defense. That was never Obi Toppin's game. He's a subpar defender at best. He'll give you some highlights here and there, but he's really just a, a run and go offensive player. And that's exactly what the Pacers wanted in Obi Toppin, not a guy that's going to be defense first, a guy that's offense first. I think when he had those minutes last year in New York, we saw the flashes of a potential 15-plus point-per-game score. I think we're going to see that this year. I think Obi Toppin will give you about, about 12 to 14, potentially 15-plus points per game on good efficiency. I think I would, I would be very surprised, John, if this kind of flops and they'd be topping here because the way this is set up here in Indiana for him to just run and go and transition with Tyrese Halliburton, and he's pretty well insulated next to Miles Turner as a rim protector. I think it's a perfect fit for Obi Toppin. If it's not going to work in Indiana, I don't think it'll work anywhere else for Obi Toppin. So I think this is a career resurgent type of year for Obi Toppin. The Pacers will look back on and say we made the right move there. Evan Sidery joins us. Andrew Nimhart, will we see him? 
all over the place as we did most of the time when he was a rookie, or will we see him more focused in on coming into the game situations and running things at the point? I would hope that I would say that Nembhard should be the primary point guard, even though we did see last year an awful lot. He can play off Halliburton as an off-ball player. He can play off TJ McCollum in the second unit as well. I would hope for the Pacers' sake that Nembhard continues to develop as that backup primary initiator because we saw in flashes last year when Halliburton was out, Nembhard would have these 20 and 10 type of games and really open up a lot of eyes around the league. So I think Halliburton, or excuse me, Nembhard is a player to watch later into the year as he uh, further gets away from his kidney stone. They'll probably take it easy with the next couple weeks, honestly, John, and let McConnell take the reins about 20-plus minutes per game, let, let Nembhard get his feet wet a little bit more as he returns from injury there. But I do think eventually, like later on, about a month or two from now, I think we might see TJ McConnell out of the rotation and kind of letting Andrew Nemhart run the show and get 25, 30 minutes per game pretty consistently. Man, Evan, I scored 11 points in the second half of a high school game after passing a kidney stone at the half. Come on now. Get him out there and let's go. Let's go. <laughs> just, I'm just joking, honestly. Uh, Evan Sidery joins us. True story. I'm just joking as far as uh, I know. The pain threshold is kidney stone-wise because I've been through it is absolutely ridiculous. So know what the dude is going through for real. We saw him get extended earlier this week. What is the definition of Aaron Neesmith and his role with this team? I think he's a versatile defense first wing that can hit around 37, 38, potentially 40% of his three-pointers. And that is a very, very valuable rotation player in the NBA today. Guard multiple positions, can shoot from three. He can fit in any role. He's not a player that's going to ask for a lot of touches either. I think he really signed a contract, honestly, John, that's way under his value. I think the Pacers got a bargain on that contract at $11 million per year through 2026-2027. Neesmith's a player to me, only 23, 24 years old. He's going to develop, I think, into a reliable seventh, eighth man off on this Pacers team, be a versatile piece that they can use in multiple positions like the two, the three, or the four. And we saw in preseason, Neesmith looks way more confident offensively off the bounce. He does it off the dribble, too. Just not just a spot-up guy anymore. So I think Aaron Neesmith's a guy to me, John, where if he gets that more confidence, which seems like he certainly has offensively, I think he could be a 10-plus point-per-game scorer, be a reliable defender into the mix, too. I, I would love to see Neesmith play alongside Bruce Brown and Miles Turner because that would be a really fun trio of defenders on the court together. So Evan Sidery, again, of Forbes and Substack, he's got his own column there, too, uh, writing regarding the Pacers and the rest of the NBA. And I've said this, you know, early season-wise, I really want to see the Pacers hopefully be able to take advantage of the schedule. Oftentimes, you know, flippantly made, but the opinions are, you know, October, November doesn't matter in the NBA. But I think for the sake of a team, that, that I believe is going to make a 10-game jump. I mean, it, 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 I'm skeptical sometimes and wondering why I went that far, but I think it's very important to get off to a good start considering how their schedule looks. Do you agree? And how about getting their feet wet against a transitional situation in Washington and the Wizards? Scoring talent at a couple of positions, but t- transitional nonetheless in D.C.? 
Yeah, the schedule early on for Indiana really sets up well. Like you mentioned tonight with the Wizards, it's going to be a track meet type of game, and it's going to be a lot of offense and little to no defense for either team. And hopefully for the Pacers' sake, that's a lot better because they added in all the players they did to improve their defense. But for Washington's side of things, John, it's going to be a very dysfunctional group over there as far as defense goes. It's going to be Jordan Poole chucking up 25, 30 shots a game, same for Kyle Kuzma, and a lot of young, unproven guys there. So I think with the way the schedule opened up tonight for them against the Wizards, plus the next couple weeks here too i think this pacers team could be off to a plus 500 start and really kind of open some eyes around the league here so i think it's really critical for them to take advantage of those next couple weeks stretch because the more we get into november december early parts of january that schedule gets a little bit tougher for them as well all right evan i look around the eastern conference right here and you know obviously the the major move was what milwaukee did to pick up Damian Lillard, although when you lose Holiday and Holiday going to the Celtics is probably bad news because you know how fortified that's going to make an already talented team. But when you, you look around from the Celtics to the Bucks to the Heat to the Knicks, um, Cavaliers as well, what, what do the Pacers factor in, in your opinion? So I think I'm a little more bullish than most in the Pacers this year. I actually had the Pacers completely avoiding the play-in tournament, John. I have them winning 45 games and being the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference this year. So I have them right behind that group of five teams you just mentioned there in Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Miami, New York. I think Indiana takes that sixth seed there and avoids the playing tournament altogether. I think that's the way this team's developing, the way Tyrese Halliburton has looked so far in his career, and the way they've really built this team this offseason – it's health dependent, John. I really think that me and you are on the same page here, being more bullish than most, because this team, I think, is well constructed right here, right now, especially if those young guys like Mathurin and Nemhard and Neesmith take steps forward like we think they do this year. They should be a 45 win team. I think the ceiling is a little bullish for some, but I think 45 wins, I think, is realistic if we see Tyrese Halburn become a superstar type player that we all expect and those young guys take leaves forward here. So I think they're going to be 45 win team and be a 16 Easter Conference. It really surprised a lot of people this year when we look back in April. So you're counting on them. You know, obviously you're looking at the Bucks, the Celtics, um, the Knicks, the Heat, the Cavaliers. So and the Sixers would be in there somewhere too. So which which of those six teams, including Philadelphia, which one do you think that they're going to make a jump over? See, I put them above. This might look foolish later on, but just with how chaotic it seems right now in Philadelphia with James Harden in that situation, if they get off to a slow start, does Joel Embiid ask for a trade in February? Like that's a legitimate option that could be on the table for them because it's been such a rough, rough offseason for the Sixers. It's hard for me to really gauge where they're going to be at, whether it would be a top three, top four seed, or if they just get off to a slow start and kind of sell the farm here in February. In either direction wouldn't surprise me. So I would say Philadelphia tops listening as far as uncertain teams the Pacers could jump there. But I'd also factor into the mix as well, Cleveland, because I'm still not fully sold on them just yet. We saw flashes last year of Evan Moby and Jared Allen being a dominant front court. But if that if Evan Moby doesn't take a big jump forward here, I think Cleveland could be a 45-type win team next to Indiana. So I think those are the two teams you could watch out for that they could jump. But if they get anywhere near 45 wins, John, I think that's a huge, huge, huge win for this team and kind of shows you how close they are to really competing moving forward. Could you at all make an argument? Because I would, but I'm incredibly anti-James Harden, especially right now. Could, could you look at this and say, you know, Philadelphia is going to be better because that jackass is not in the picture? Yeah, that's a fair assessment, just because you don't know what James Hart could do. James Hart's done this now in Houston. He's done this in Brooklyn. He's doing it now in Philadelphia, where he, when he wants out, he really makes a fuss about it, and it really kind of detriments the whole team in the process there. 
And for a team like Philadelphia, that's championship or bust this season with the pressure on them with Joel Embiid and his future there. It's just a worst-case scenario for Philadelphia right now. I think James Harden's kind of proving that these next couple of years, if he has the next couple of years left in his, in his career, I think it's probably his last stop in the NBA. It's probably Philadelphia and whatever happens next because I think a lot of teams are kind of realizing that he's not worth the headache anymore. What about the Atlanta Hawks? Still a lot of talent there. A little bit of success that we've seen, certainly in past years. They going to uh, take a, a drive up or maybe put it in reverse a little bit this year? Yeah, they're one of my other teams in the East. I'm really kind of wait and see on just because – I think Trey Young is a, a star point guard in this league, but we've seen throughout his career, he hasn't really won much. He had that special run in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago, but this Hawks team has underperformed ever since. And we saw them trade John Collins for pennies on the dollar just because he wasn't a good fit with that team anymore. I think it's a huge year for Atlanta to see whether DeJounte Murray and Trey Young work together. If not, I would not be shocked at all if they split that duo up here in the offseason, the next offseason, because – there's not a lot of direction in Atlanta right now. It's a, it's a huge, huge, huge year for them. Quinn Snyder is running the show there now in Atlanta. So I think if they have a, a down year there for the Hawks, I think we're going to see some retooling around there in Atlanta. They're a team to me I'm a little bit lower on the most. So Evan Snyder rejoins us. We were watching the games last night, and what occurred to me, and, and I'm assuming it'll look different. It'll look different. Even with Phoenix winning in San Francisco last night against Golden State, uh, they didn't play – with Bradley Beal, and then Grayson Allen was thrust into the starting lineup. So I know that once he gets back, that's going to look different, and that is you know, an elite-level score in the NBA. But what occurred to me last night is that when you go through the long haul this season, I think two things with those two teams we watched are really going to be a struggle, and that is the, the lack of height is going to be detrimental again for Golden State, I mean, to what level? I mean, you're still going to probably go a couple of rounds into the postseason, but you catch my drift on that. And then just the lack of quality bodies for Phoenix. You have three of the best players in the NBA, but even last night you, you saw Eric Gordon step up. You, you saw Kogi step up. I don't know if you can count on that. I just don't think they have enough guys on that team moving forward after watching at least one game last night with both of those teams high up in the West. But I think that as we move along in the season, we'll be flawed. Yeah, I think honestly, I'll start off with Phoenix there, John. I'm actually really high on Phoenix this year, just based off of Devin Booker. I think he's, he's my pick. I understand. Uh, he's, he's a 30-plus point per game scorer in this league. I think he showed last night he's going to be – probably one of the best players in the NBA this year. So I think Phoenix will be fine. The one worry to me is going to be Kevin Durant because he's, he's shown consistently now the last couple games for Phoenix in the postseason now last night, he's been pretty inefficient. He's not looking like the same old Kevin Durant. And if that's the case, if he ages out pretty quickly here, that might be a disastrous trade for Phoenix later on if Kevin Durant ages out quicker than expected. But I imagine KD will snap back into it. Bradley Beal will be back in the lineup there too. And they'll win 50 plus games. I am a little more concerned about Golden State. Like you mentioned, John, the lack of size last night, Yusuf Nurkic dominating you is just never a good thing to say. And that's what happened last night for them was Nurkic getting 15 rebounds, 15 points. He was a monster down there. And if Yusuf Nurkic is going to do that, Nikola Jokic is going to have a field day against him if they ever go against him in the postseason. So I think Golden State is a team to me, especially with that Chris Paul contract, which is an expiring contract. I would not be stunned at all if they kind of maybe move some of those young guys in Kaminga, Moody, attach that to Chris Paul's contract, and kind of go for a big man. And, and, and I would not be surprised if that guy was like a Carl Anthony Towns. He was not a good defender, but that's the kind of guy to me, or like a Pascal Siakam, one of those guys 
where you need to go out and make a big move for this Warriors team because we're seeing already Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, all their mid to late 30s now. This, this probably is the year to push your chips all in for the Warriors because it seems like to me this is probably the last year or two of this run. And if you want to make an aggressive push for a Carl Anthony Towns or a Pascal Siakam, I would not be stunned if Golden State did that. Now, I'm going to be interested to see Sacramento if they can make the same type of run with that group that they did a year ago. And my jackass rule here is, one, uh, the Clippers may fade anyway, but will uh, fade even more if you bring in a jackass like James Harden. And then the Grizzlies got rid of one jackass that they needed to in Dylan Brooks, and you got to make sure that one of the best players of the NBA and John Morant, once he returns, is not one. So the jackass rule, I think, also applies out west as well. Evan Sidery with us. Forbes, and then your Substack column as well, too. Talk about it. Yeah, my Substack, one more time for everybody, sourcessaid.substack.com. I'm going to be writing NBA coverage over there all season long, some columns, some deep dive statistical analysis. So I'm going to be doing all that over there, plus Forbes as well. So I'll be heading to the game later tonight. It should be a fun one. So I appreciate it, John. You got it, Evan, anytime, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Evan Sidery, we're getting started tonight. Pacers at home, their opener. Cambridge Fieldhouse tonight, right here on the fan. Coverage begins at 6.30. Tip time is at 7. The Washington Wizards are in town. Nicholas writes this before I go to break. Ah, JMV, the good old Princeton Holodome. Stunned monkey and I. (laughs) And my grandparents lived in a subdivision across the highway. Their backyard was about 50 to 100 yards from that McDonald's there. Well, if you remember, the uh, baseball fields where we played those tournaments were right below. All you had to do was walk down that hill from the parking lot and get to those baseball fields from the Holodome. Really, in, in terms of the 80s, or let's say this. When I was 14, one of my best weekends of 1984 would have been had at that Holodome in Princeton. And again, our, uh, our kids, the younger generation right now, have zero idea, none, what it is like to hang out inside a Holodome during a tournament of sports, during a weekend, and that's unfortunate. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino at Anderson. Your call's on the other side. Reggie's going to lead coming up next. What Michael Pittman Jr. had to say in the Colts locker room today. We'll get to that. The Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day in the 5 o'clock hour. Bowen was inside the locker room. He can update us on that. Saints-Colts coming up on Sunday. Pacers-Wiz later on tonight. And why you were okay in blaming the loss on the officials this past Sunday. That and more. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. He's my best friend. He's my pal. He's my homeboy. My rotten soldier. He's my sweet cheese. My good time boy. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. We're in Anderson Bowen, top of the hour. Michael Pittman Jr. with the media a little bit earlier today. Hit all the right notes. And don't give me that he was prompted by people. I mean, that's just how he is. Recognize that. A little bit hot after the game. Mad. Really, you're mad two ways. You went 75 yards, pieced out, and then you got flagged for that. <laughs> Didn't get the ball enough. And, and my advice was... Twofold here. Um, one was just 
maybe you need to create a little bit more space. I mean, you you got to ultimately be better at your job, I guess. But he responded in a way that I think everybody expected. You know, not only do you recognize, you know, in the heat of the moment, that's what you say. And I'm not at all suggesting you don't recognize what is going to be longer term your financial situation. But he's just never been a guy to me that needs that type of prompting. Well, we got to hurry up and get to him and make sure he says all the right things. He said, great to see you, man. What I fully expected him to say a little bit earlier. Uh, Kevin Bowen will talk about it coming up at the top of the hour. In case you missed it earlier today, and this goes back to Sunday after the game when Michael Pittman Jr. was asked about five targets, the lack of targets, 75 yards, by the way, and a catch and run for a touchdown in that second half, but he was asked about the lack of targets, and he had mentioned that, you know, maybe he wasn't a part of this offense. Again, I'm paraphrasing on on what he said, his answer to that question. And then he had 48 hours to sit on it, and this is how he responded in the Colts locker room today. I kind of wanted to come here and kind of clear that up. I mean, obviously, it was a very frustrating loss the way that it happened, and uh, I've never been a good loser. I'm actually a very poor sport. It's something that I've been working on like my whole life. Um, and it's just hard for me sometimes. And, and uh, when like you lose, sometimes you lose your composure. You like lose your head. And um, and I think I I uh, was a little dramatic like, when I said that. Um, obviously, I am a big part of this offense. Like I lead the team in targets and, and um, stuff like that. So you know, like like just like it was out of frustration and. Um, and I just wanted to clear up that I love playing here, that I love Indy and um, everything that we do here. Um, and um, I'm excited for this uh, week coming up. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. earlier today, I think Bowen was standing right there. And uh, Kev's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. The Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. You can watch me right now. Uh, between talking, chew on a coffee straw. Uh, you know what? What's weird about this, right? Is there anybody in the history of anybody that has ever had a coffee straw in their hand and not chewed on it? Seriously, nobody. These are like the most chewable things of all time right here. More, Maybe even more so than gum. You always chew on these things, the coffee straw. So inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you can watch, you can listen, and you can participate. Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses, winshulers.com for recipes. And, of course, track down locations at Kroger. And admire here in central Indiana. Win Schuler spreadable cheeses. Reggie's up next at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Reggie. Hey, this is Homer Reggie. Long time no talk to JMV, but I Reggie, it's good to hear from you, man. I feel the need to call in today, man. Man, hell yeah, I agree with that young lady that called. I'm mad as hell about that miss those missed calls, man. <laughs> we should be mad about it. I'm pulling out my inner pitman on this. I ain't never happy with losing. I would be mad if he was happy with losing. The refs blew it. I've been getting trolled because people stop crying. You're whining and all that. I'm not whining. I'm just calling out the obvious. The Steelers got a call to win the game. They couldn't even get a good spot right. The refs are starting to be like the NBA refs, pretty bad. And, yeah, I agree with you. 40 to 45 wins. I think the Pacers should just run them all, just run up and down the court. I know in the playoffs, running up and down the court don't work. But uh, during the season, run, play 10 people if you got to. Run them to death. Run them to death. I haven't been this excited about Pacer games since 
the Davis boys and Reggie Miller. This, oh, really? You got to go back that far, do you? Wow. Well, I'm always optimistic about the Pacers, but in the back of my mind, I already know, you know, I used to know it was going to be, you know, kind of picky. Uh, I right. The pace was accelerated uh, last year until Halliburton got hurt, until Miles tripped over the ball, boy. But I'm, I'm very, very, very excited. And the young lady, Jessica, usually, you know, I only bet on baseball, football, and basketball. Uh-huh. I don't even know how to bet on horses. I know they're always looking in books and everything, but I may have to investigate on how to bet on horses. A well, you got to get up here. You know how many people, people are walking by me every minute that can give you a tutorial on how to do that. Now, I went one time, it looked like they'd be studying. I feel like I'm back in college or something studying. It. So I, I need a cheat sheet or something, you know, help me out, you know. But yeah, I'm home no, I do feel you on that. I'm right there with you on that, yes. I'm Homer Ridge. Go Coach, go Pacers. And, and I'm going to be a little optimistic. Even though AR is out, I'm going to be a little bit optimistic and say that we're going to be a 500 team in football. And like I said, 40, 40 to 45 wins for the Pacers. You have a good one, buddy. Reg, thank you very much. Uh, I, I want to be optimistic because I want to be able to talk about something more fruitful than whether or not Anthony Richardson, when he returns, is going to be durable enough to play long-term here. And I've said this before. I don't want to start that clock ticking right now. Like, I want to save that for the offseason because I know that's coming anyway. And that's why... I'm going to count on other folks, and I'm glad this is a really good moment to get this out there. I want the Pacers to start tonight and then continue to move this thing thing forward and stay exciting because once we hit the Colts offseason, I want to make sure we're able to talk about other winning situations. And that's also a shout up to West Lafayette and Matt down in Bloomington with Mike Woodson, Josh Schertz in Terre Haute, Michael Lewis just up I-69 in Muncie, Thad Mata in Butler. For the love of God, can you guys give us a level of winning that will take me away from seven months of dialogue, critical, non-critical, on whether or not Anthony Richardson is going to be durable enough to play long-term here? I... I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody right here, but I think I always have a pretty good finger on the pulse of what people around here want. I don't think you want that, but we're going to slip right in to that hole if we're not careful. So, and it's up to a lot of these teams because we, we see just, think about this for a moment. You guys, and I don't blame you, you guys have been so gobbled up by losing. That, you know, the first time in December a year ago, the Pacers win and win some games consecutively and were consistent for the month of December. Everybody jumps on board. I mean, you are chomping at the bit for it. We saw it last December. Colts fans, you beat Tennessee for the first time in, what, five games. You win for the first time at home in seven games a couple of weeks back. You are chomping at the bit to see teams win. You've been devoured by losing, and I don't blame you. So I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to put it out there to the Pacers. I'm going to tell these dudes, if one of them ever comes on the show, um, I'm going to tell these dudes the same thing. This town, central Indiana, this state, 
wants to win. And I know Purdue won a year ago, but see, Purdue views this differently now. It's no longer about the regular season. It is what you do come NCAA tournament time. So we got to wait on that. But it's going to all help us out if other teams expedite the winning process here. I think it's important. I think we're going to come down harder on these teams if they don't follow this up than we might usually. Because I sit here right now, I don't want to hear any entertaining losses bull crap. I don't want to think about picks. I don't want to hear people on other shows talking about, hey, this would be great if we can get right here and lose, and this is going to be our pick, and pick this and pick that. You know what you can pick, according to me, right? So I'm going to put it on these other teams to take us all away from what is going to be seven months of consistent dialogue. It's going to be there anyway, but some winning, some excitement, will take us away from a lot of that. I know where you are, Reggie, on it. I do. Quick break, and we shall return. Rick, you going to join me? There's Rick Moore's in the house right here. There must be important goings-on here at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. The legendary Rick Moore is going to sit down with me coming up on the other side. Bowen's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. I think Tony Renz is going to be here to close out as well. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. We've got the Breeders' Crown coming up Friday and Saturday. More about that. I want you to get up here for it. And the Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day as well on the way. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. With JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm in Harris Hoosier Park racing at Casino at Anderson. Did you know, and you better because you've been listening all day long, that there is big events going on up here Friday and Saturday. The Breeders' Crown, our friend, the general manager, Rick Moore, joins us right now. Uh, compared to other weekends on the calendar year, where's this rank? This is the top uh, the weekend of the year, John. We've, uh, uh, it's the third year we're, we're going to be the host of the, the Breeders' Crown event. It's the year-end championships for, for harness racing. We've been, we've been planning. You know, our, our team has been planning and planning for months and months. I mean, not just one meeting a week, but meeting after meeting after meeting. And we're ready to go, but we're really proud to host the Breeders' Crown. Uh, it's over $7 million in purses. Horses from all over North America, Canada, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, I go on and on, yeah. will be coming into here into Anderson, Indiana to compete in the, in the Breeders' Crown event. Now, we were talking with Jessica a little bit earlier. She suggested that while there are tickets available, you better get them because they're going fast. And as we approach both Friday and Saturday, you know, you want to make sure that you're locked in here. Yeah, get to go to Ticketmaster. We've got a VIP party tent that's going to be nothing but fun. Oh, it I is, like that. It's a VIP un- party tent. It is unbelievable. I was out there today. It's going to be great dining. Uh, it's going to be. We're going to have uh, promotions going on out there. You're going to be able to wager out there. You're going to be able. There's bars all over. Yeah. We're, we're encouraging you having a couple adult drinks. Uh, it's just going to be nothing but fun. Go to Ticketmaster. You can pick out your seat where exactly where you want to sit. And uh, be with us this Friday and Saturday. Um, I, I see right behind me here. You got some stuff that's happening. You, is there a kid zone down there, or is that for adults? That looks fun. You know, it's it looks for, like an inflatable it, maze. It's for, it is, is that a corn exactly, maze? It's exactly what it is. John, tonight is Fright Night at the races fright here night. in Harris. That's Easter what Park. I thought. One of the biggest community nights here in Anderson. We'll have hundreds and hundreds. Last year we had 700 kids 
come through here, uh, getting candy and having fun, bounce houses, corn maze. A corn uh, maze. We got Stilt Walker coming. You know, just uh, just a big community night. We like what time does this start tonight? Six o'clock. Six o'clock tonight. We actually have a horse contu- costume contest. Really? We have horses to dress up. Uh, yeah, we. I, we, I can't even tell you some of the the, the, the dress ups, the, the the get ups in the past that are just unbelievable that, that they come up with. But the uh, inflatable corn. We, yeah, we got inflatable corn maze. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. fright night is tonight from six tonight. until six eight six eight six to nine. Gotcha. Yep, yep, six to nine. Yep. Hey, by the way, too, did I hear this accurately? Three Dog Night's going to be here? Yeah, Three Dog Night's coming. I don't have the exact date, but Three Dog Night uh, is going to be here. That's a, love that's, song. A, that's a good song. That, that is a good that's song. That's early 70s classic that, stuff that, that right there. Great stuff, yeah. Well, we got uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah! That's Three Dog Night, too, That's right? Three Dog and Night, then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were a staple there in the seventies, weren't they? They were. Yeah, I mean, they were right there with, with CCR and, yeah. and everybody yeah. else at, at that time frame. But again, remind people of the Breeders' Crown coming up Friday and Saturday. Right? First post is six o'clock. We're going to have fifteen races both nights. We'll go close to midnight. We're going to we're going to blow it out. It's going to, like I said, it's the World Championships for uh, for harness racing. It's for two year olds, three year olds, and then older horses, both pacers, both trotters. Uh, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand purses, it. depending on the on the race. Uh, this is it. This is what they all shoot for. This is why they go to the sales and pay big money for these horses to try to get right here. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, John. Thank you for being here. Rick Moore is an awesome guy with us. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino at Anderson. What Michael Pittman Jr. had to say. Kevin Bowen was in the Colts locker room a little bit earlier today. We'll get to that. And night number one for the Pacers. That and more coming up after five on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Uh, Shout out to Cam, who's the on-site engineer, James, back at the studio. My man Richard and Jeff down at Ford's Garage a little bit earlier. And uh, Dana Bimbao of... The Indy Stars doing a story. If you've been to Ford's Garage, uh, there are, there's a burger named after me up there and uh, of other folks of sports interest around here. And uh, she is going to put a story together about that. And uh, we stopped by Ford's Garage a little bit earlier today. And uh, a shout out again to Richard and Jeff. They do during the summer our Backyard Bourbon broadcast. Just a great time. Uh, that is down in Noblesville at Ford's Garage. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, we have a lot to get to considering tonight the opener for the Pacers. Pacers and the Wizards uh, coming up Sunday. you got the Saints and the Colts. you got Jim Mercer tweeting late last night, which I found very interesting. And uh, Michael Pittman Jr. earlier today justifying now before we get into that there was a commercial for ld smith plumbing kev that you may have heard while you were on hold a little bit earlier kevin bowen of the morning wake-up call with kb and andy joins us now um i mentioned that i take endless showers Uh, i take long and incredibly hot showers how long are you in the shower you guys don't take one in the morning you guys come in dirty right because you guys both always wear hats so you don't wash your hair you just come in dirty Correct. I bet I've showered before a morning show. Mm, boy. Well, I, I, outside of when I'm teaching IU, probably uh, five times in my life. I shower to get loose. I bet I stay in my shower an average of 35 minutes a time. God. 
Are you serious? What the hell is your water bill? I live on a well, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) I I should have known that. I take showers in four minutes and 27 seconds. Do you really? Well, that's not nearly enough time for me. And by the way, I don't know where Todd Meyer is, but right now he is someplace going, please don't take this conversation where I think you're going to take this conversation. That's what Todd's saying right now. <laughs> I got to get loose. I got to get loose in my shower. Ah, oh, man, I'm just doing a lot of things. I mean, it's just like Kramer in Seinfeld. Doing a you know, lot Kramer of wanted to do everything to do inside a hot shower, and that's me too. I'm just like that. Gosh, that is, uh, wow. Yeah. That's outstanding. I hope my well doesn't run dry one of these days. So that's my only my only flaw, I think, in that particular logic right there. But, yeah, about 35 minutes. I get good and clean, Kev. That's what I do. Get in there with the Nivea. Get soap all over me. All right. The uh, Selsun Blue $10 shampoo on top of my head. I'm getting clean. That's what I'm doing. Well, that hey, is, I, I, bet Swe- I bet Swebo takes, like, one shower all week long, doesn't he? That's about it. <laughs> Come on now. You've got a young, a very young child there. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's get to the real stuff here. You were in the locker room with um, Michael Pittman Jr. I, I, I said this earlier. I thought that he handled that exactly how I thought he would handle it. And a lot of people suggested, well, clearly his rep, his agent got to him. And I wanted to correct him and say, no, nah, that's Michael Pittman Jr. right there. That was 100% legitimate as to his own response in his own words to what took place after that loss in the locker room on Sunday. You agree? Yeah, I thought he handled it absolutely perfectly. Um, and, 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 yeah, I kind of side with you on it, John, that I I, you know, I don't care if his dad, hell, a 10-year veteran in the NFL, got a hold of agent. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is a guy that is just a highly, highly competitive individual. And I know, you know, maybe you could say that about everybody in the NFL, but I've always felt like there's a little diva to him at wideout, and I know diva is kind of a prerequisite oftentimes to play that position. I, I just don't feel like he's wired in that way. I've I've said it to you, John. I've said it a million times about Michael Pittman. There's no USC pretty boy in how he plays the game, and I think you see that. If you just watch him block, if you watch him – I mean, hell, if you watch him go after a fumble, just like little stuff like that, uh, you watch him make a tackle after an interception. The dude lays it all on the line, and you know is he the is he the perfect wideout? Is he a you know top fifteen wideout in the league? Probably not, but he's a guy that's an important piece to this team, and I think you need to retain him. And um, I thought again, I, I I thought he handled it really really well. Um, you know, hindsight's very twenty twenty. You know, when you look at thirty eight points, you look at four hundred fifty yards. I even think he probably looks back on it and thinks. You know, when I make a comment like that, it's downgrading Josh Downs' 125-yard day. It's downgrading, you know, Jonathan Taylor's 120-yard day if you combine the rushing and the receiving. You know, Alec Pierce made a few plays as well. Um, So uh, you want, I think, your wideouts to have a little bit of that in them, but you also want them to be as good a teammates as possible. And, And I think Pittman stands for everything that you want off the field. The morning wake-up call with KB and Andy, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. And we've established neither one wash ever during the week before they start the show at 7 a.m. So everybody keep that in mind every time they're wearing a hat. That's their tell, their poker tell, given I'm at Harris Park here in uh, Anderson, that 
they have not washed when they're they're wearing a hat right there. So, just so you know, when you're watching via YouTube Live. Uh, so Jim Irsay sent a late tweet last night in, in typical Jim Mersey fashion, updating everybody on the surgery, the shoulder surgery out in L.A. of Anthony Richardson going well. And, you know, you're not going to say, hey, by the way, that surgery is completely botched and we're screwed. So you would expect him to say that it went well. Um, the other part of it I loved, and here's why. There are times, Kev, and you've covered sports now in this market long enough to understand, while you're not a homer and you're not going to be a homer. Let's just face it. Rarely do you find them. And I know we aren't because I've known you certainly for a long time and you know me. But there are times when the officials cost you a game. And that's what took place. on. They cost the Colts the game. Now, you can talk about what didn't happen at the end of the half and what Shane Steichen could have done better. There's no doubt. But you had a half of football to make up for that misevaluation, that miscue in coaching. But you didn't have any time basically to make up for the screw job you got with those two flags and certainly the first one in that final sequence down the stretch on Sunday. And I think it's okay on those moments when we judge it, Kev, to come out and say, yeah, you know what? The Colts lost that game because of that call. And I thought Jim Irsay justified that in his own words after hearing from the league office evidently last night. Yeah, I know for a lot of people, you know, hearing from the NFL or, you know, in the NBA's case, we're back into the, oh, two-minute reports and all that. It does little to lessen the sting. But in my opinion, the NFL is way too – lacks so much transparency with stuff that, to me, should be rather obvious. Um, And I I think the officials in that case, there should be an element of a little bit more public accountability – as the game continues to grow, and by that I mean, you know, fantasy sports and gambling are even more and more prevalent on a, you know, year-in, year-out basis. So, um, you know, the fact that the NFL acts like it's some FBI secret if they reveal to a team that we missed a call, you literally on the box score that, you know, I have access to after a game, you have access to after a game, it lists the eight officials that were in that game. Um, I see no reason why when you come out a couple of days later that you state, you know, hey, here's a missed call here. You know, this is what we got right in the last couple of minutes. Um, now, you know, to Ursay's later point in the tweet, um, I, I don't know how you would justify exactly going back and reviewing, you know, a lot of judgment calls. Where's the cutoff yeah. for that? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, it, hey, Kev, yeah. and you can finish. I don't think you can do it. I, and, and that may be what he wants, wants to investigate. I don't think you can do it. I don't think they will ever do it. But go ahead. Yeah, again, you know, Ursay said in the tweet last night, you know, two minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, what if there's a huge fourth down with 208 to go in the game? I mean, <laughs> yeah. very often there are critical plays right before two-minute right. warning. Uh, I mean, you go back to week three with the Ravens, I think the Ravens would have a similar feeling or have a similar feeling over the lack of the EJ speed penalty on Zay Flowers. That was an overtime play. You know, what, what happens when you get into overtime? You know, do all challenges then just go up to the booth and – I do think there's an element of why we like the NFL is, I mean, it is, you know, pretty frequently the one o'clock game is going to end at 401, 402, whatever. You'd be getting into, you know, certainly games that would last a whole lot longer than that. But, you know, when you're in this market and, you know, oftentimes I, you know, I feel like Jim Mercer thinks that, you know, based off the lack of home primetime games his team has gotten uh, over the last, you know, seven to eight years that they, he feels neglected and, and kind of wants to speak up. And I got no issue 
with that at all. Again, I, I feel like the NFL should have a little bit more accountability, even if it does very little to, you know, hurt the, the sting of a loss and, you know, to the point yeah. of Wednesday evening, you know, you, you just kind of have to move on from it. Um, but still, I, I think the league should try and look at yeah. what the NBA has done. Uh, again, even if it doesn't do a whole lot to your fandom per se. You know, it's funny about that. I, I think I would disagree. I don't necessarily, and, and maybe it's because I, I, I do make fun of NBA officials all the time. I, I don't know if you, I got a, like a badge that says makes fun of NBA officiating. Uh, that's something I really, truly enjoy. Maybe I should do it more in the circles of the NFL. I, I can do without what they like to call transparency. I, I don't even know, Kev, if I need it at all in the NFL. I think what stood out to me more is how a lot of people said, hey, when you're talking about officiating, that's taboo. Don't do it because that makes you a homer. And I just wanted to justify to those who suggested that to me in the past couple of days that this tells you right now, again, as long as Jim Mercer is accurate with that, this tells you that you can lose on one bad call just like that. And when it comes right down to it, that's exactly the call that you lost on on Sunday. And at times, much like Kev, we evaluate the play, the coaching, the personnel decisions, all of that stuff. I think at times when it calls for it, it's just fine to look at that particular call and say, yep, at that moment, in this case, as it did on Sunday, that cost the Colts a game, which it did. Yeah, it, you know, to me, I've never been a big official guy. Um I just haven't, and I certainly realize that they obviously impact the game and can can impact it in a big, big way. I, I tend to think you get to the end of the year, and for the most part, it all evens out. Like again, you go back to that Baltimore game. You know, if they throw that flag, Justin Tucker's in field goal range, and boom, the Ravens probably win that game, and the Colts lose that game, and then vice versa. It plays out how it how it has obviously with the Colts, you know, getting job on Sunday there late. So. Um, I think the Colts have handled it, honestly, really, really well this week. Um, I think Shane Steichen has clearly, in a very Shane Steichen way, uh, disagreed with the calls and made that, I think, pretty darn clear if you watch Shane Steichen press conferences uh, without saying too, too much. But him and I would say a lot of the players in the locker room kind of echoed the right message today of, you know, once you get to Wednesday and once you have watched, you know, Philip Walker, whatever, get – 67 yards on you before those flags came into play. Uh, now you're in a critical stretch of very winnable games. And if you want meaningful games late November, early December, uh, these are games in New Orleans and Carolina and New England that uh, don't really dot the NFL radar uh, league-wide, but they're massive if the Colts you know, want to have meaningful football uh, come late November and into December. Kevin Bowen, the morning wake-up call is KB and Andy. Uh, unfortunately, it's not as Sweebo, which I had told everybody in the office, but they decided to go with KB and Andy. <laughs> 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. It is a weekday mornings. Kevin Bowen joins us. And with that in mind, this is what I, I had just said this past hour, that I so don't want to start the clock on talking about whether or not and debating Anthony Richardson is going to be long-term healthy and durable enough to be the quarterback answer with this team. I don't want to start that before we have to, um, especially since we're in a cold season. So win some games, do some things that are interesting and keep us compelled with the football team. And then if you're the Pacers, 
Move this thing up. All right, so the bar is set higher than it was a year ago, and some are surprised by it. So what? So beyond just me believing this Pacer team is going to win 45 this year, and I think that's a pretty high bar considering they won 35 a year ago, hey, keep us compelled to talk about them through winning and not having to go to a spot where we ultimately will have to during the Colts offseason, but I don't want to during the season, and bring back some winning here. That's all kind of resting on the shoulders to start the season tonight of this Indiana Pacers season to me. What say you? It's funny. I was talking to Andy about it earlier today. Of you know, I'm not a JMV must-win guy, but boy, couldn't the city really use like a convincing Pacers win tonight for like the next 48 hours? The Pacers don't play again until Saturday. Uh, you've just dealt with quite the week of Colts kicking the you-know-what with the Richardson news, the Grover Stewart news, uh, obviously how Sunday played out and the one-point loss and and the officiating, et cetera, et cetera, and and, and yeah, I. I I, I do think there's an element of like, kind of the time is now to start winning. And, and tonight is opening night. And I think the full X, I will be disappointed at the end of the year if the Pacers have not played a playoff game um, and not been, in my opinion, I think a five or six seed, uh, 45 wins, I think uh, to me is, is a really good ballpark. Uh, unless a major Tyrese Halliburton injury were to occur. To me, that seems very realistic and needed and necessary. It's a franchise that, you know, for so much of my life, John, I've just been used to the Pacers are in the playoffs. The Pacers are in the playoffs, and um, they have a team that could make a run. And, you know, different iterations of that, if you want to look at the Reggie teams or the Jermaine O'Neal teams or the Paul George teams, you know, for the larger part of the last three decades, they've been that, but – recently that's that's not been the case at all i mean you know they haven't won a playoff game in six years that is a long drought for this franchise Uh, 10 years without you know winning a playoff series if you want to go back that far i mean that is a long long time and so to me it's a group that doesn't have a lot of meaningful april may basketball in them it's been quite a while since miles turner's experienced that buddy heels never been in a playoff game i mean tyrese halliburton i was looking up the other day you got to go back to his freshman year at Iowa State. The last time he's been on a team that's finished better than eight games under 500, eight games under 500, not even 500 or better. So uh, I think for all parties involved, whether it's what the fans deserve, uh, whether you know it's what Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle, who hasn't won a playoff series in a decade, like what, what he needs, what they need, and then just for this group to start to you know grow. Obviously, you're still building this thing. And there's going to be tweaks and alterations to it all, um, you know, here in the next couple of years. And by no means is this some finished all-in product, but it's time for them to get used to, all right, this is what playoff basketball feels like. Because I would argue that of all the professional sports leagues, I, I, I would think just what the playoffs feel like for the NBA can be so much different than the regular season when, you know, you do get a lot of resting and there is a lot of back-to-backs and, it just feels different. A Tuesday night game is totally different than what the playoffs feel like. So I think it's paramount for this rebuild to to get to being in the postseason. All right, let me double back here because evidently Swebo has worn off in a good way here because you're finally on board with me. Kev, be honest, you now recognize, don't you, that it doesn't 
take mathematics or to be mathematically eliminated or some nerd with a calculator to recognize in this case that some games, regardless of where they are on the schedule, are more meaningful than others, thus must-win situations. So you just described to me that tonight's game to start the season, an NBA game in October is must-win. That justifies what I've been talking about now for years. And I'm glad you as a part of Sweebo was finally on board with that. Somebody's recognizing what is real, and that's real. I don't know if I sign off on, on, on how you uh, – Oh, don't double back now. I, no backpedaling here, sir. No, 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 I no. think we all – we all need it. If we do want to get in technicalities, and this is the nerd in me coming out, um, Saturday night Central Division Cleveland means more than tonight, whatever Atlantic Division, whatever hell division they are in, the Washington Wizards. But, again, having said that, um, seven of nine at home to open up the year. And I, I would say more for general psyche. I mean, we had Rick Carlisle on yesterday. He was acting like the Washington Wizards were the 76th Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, it was – it was quite the uh, quite the praise that he was heaping out there for the Wizards. He talked about Mike Muscala like he was Larry Bird. So, uh, obviously the Pacers, and if they listen to their head coach, they won't take Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma chucking it up 60 times too, too lightly. So, very, uh, very important and uh, would be great, again, for the city and for the team if they could get this one tonight. I, I don't know if I'm ready to entrench the, the JMV stamp of approval must win on it, though. I think it's a little bit too late to try to talk your way out of it because you've done it. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin Bowen is a part of to my parents right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they know. If they're listening right now, they know. I mean, Max and Rosie, if they're listening and have any idea what in the world we're – although I'm assuming that – is Rosie allowed to listen to you come on my show in the car? Because sometimes we get into some weird stuff. I've often wondered yeah. that. Do I run your family think, members away? Hey, I think Maddie is censored five o'clock on Wednesday from, <laughs> from, from the radio. Young, I don't know if that makes me radio. feel bad or good. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's, uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning wake up call is KB and Andy, seven until 10 a.m. weekday mornings here uh, on the fan. All right. I said 45. I think you're in the same neighborhood here as, as 45, which means I think we got to. I'm assuming if if you think they're going to be in the top six somewhere here with this, um, I don't know if that's where you think they are. You'll have to kick somebody of that hierarchy out. Uh, who do you think that is? I was talking to Evan Sidery a little bit earlier. He thinks maybe that's going to end up being Philadelphia. I, I I just think the the addition by subtraction in this case with the jackass not playing, not showing up, whatever is going to be better for them than the jackass absolutely being there. Um, who, who do you kick out of that? that top six in terms of where do you think the Pacers, how many they're going to win and how they may, do you think they're seventh? Are they six? Where are they at the end of the season to you? Yeah, to me, they are five or six right in there. Uh, obviously Boston, Milwaukee speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Brooklyn was this, wasn't Brooklyn in the top six last year? after the trade? Oh, they may have been, they might have to look that up. Why do I want to think that they were in the playing game? But I, I maybe a playing game. I don't think they were. I think you're right, Kev. I'll go with that. For some reason, I'm thinking it was like Atlanta, Miami. I don't know. Chicago. I would look it up, but I'm leaning like back that, but... right now. I'm leaning back and comfortable. <laughs> I would look it up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not a believer. Um, 
Hey, you know, obviously Philly, who you bring up, um, that is a little bit more of a prove it yeah. to me. But again, I, I would say Brooklyn would be out. I, I don't know. I'm still not all there with the Knicks. I, I just maybe it, it, it's too ugly looking at times. It's too throwback looking at times with Thibodeau and that group um, for me to kind of be there with them. So uh, I'm not ready to say that. And you know, I, I think Cleveland has a lot of really good individual talent, but um, I don't think that's like a slam slam dunk. I mean, again, outside of Boston and Milwaukee, I just don't think you you know, put anybody else into that top six and say there's no questions asked. I mean, who knows, obviously, with Philadelphia, as you said. Uh, Cleveland, to me, uh, not ready to say that. And New York and Brooklyn, I would say, are very much up in the air. Now, I mean, again, you've got Miami that was in the play-in last year. And, you know, are they going to be more of a regular season team? Um, Atlanta obviously made a coaching change late in the year. You know, they they certainly have some talent, but – I mean, this team, uh, amidst all of that, amidst a very deep Eastern Conference last year when Halliburton was healthy, I mean, you, you were there. You were in that range. And Kristen Ari and I were actually trading a few texts earlier today. I, I think it, I think we realize how important Tyrese Halliburton is, but I, I don't know if maybe the national landscape of the NBA realizes just how valuable and, and good he is to the Pacers. Like, you literally, night in, night out, pencil this dude in for – 20 points, 10 assists, and he shoots like 40% from the field. I mean, like those are very rare numbers in the NBA. And so that's why I get back to the, like, you need him. He cannot get hurt because we saw last year when he got hurt, and there were other guys that weren't playing either. But when he got hurt, I mean, you you weren't just losing. You were losing by double figures, 20 points quite often. So, you know, that is obviously something that, you know, is a huge storyline just to keep him as healthy as possible. Uh, but I still believe, based off what they've done this off season and the pieces that they bring back, um, to me, a five or six seed is definitely attainable. Uh, and, and you were right. Sixth is what the finish was for Brooklyn in the East. And when you reference the Knicks, I mean, there's no doubt they have talent, but we have seen in the past Tom Thibodeau has a shelf life. I mean, he'll wear some dudes out. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Maybe it won't happen in New York, but certainly – in the past, we have, have seen that. I, I just hope, for our sake, in this case, uh, we are not overestimating, you know, this team. And, you know, and maybe in my – I talk about this all the time. I just want to see – I want to see somebody win around here. I want to see somebody win, consistently win, and give people a reason to get longer-term excited about something in a fashion, Kev, that is all too unfamiliar in recent history with really anything around here. It's always been something good, followed by a couple of things of something bad. And I think the Pacers have that opportunity. I just hope we're not overestimating just type of the impact they're going to have on this season. So that's a little bit of a question I have. And, and, you know, Halliburton talked about it yesterday, kind of welcoming the expectations. I mean, certainly this time last year, and Tyree said it, I thought, pretty accurately. If you and I had a conversation on the eve of the season – last year, we weren't talking about playoffs at all. And, and now we are. And so, like, how do you handle a little bit more of a bullseye? I mean, you still kind of had a hanging Miles Turner cloud over this season. I don't think the Buddy Heald cloud is going to impact things too, too much. Um, and obviously, Turner played great. And, you know, you retain so much from last year. I mean, you're losing a what? An O'Shaper set. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, pieces that you've lost. And um, I think it's George very Hill. deep. Yeah, you know, George Hill and James Johnson. I mean, like, when you talk about the 82-game season, 
and how oftentimes I find myself just saying, man, over the course of the season, you got to rely on some depth. I mean, I look at this Pacers team. John, there's going to have four or five guys that don't get in the game tonight that at different points in the season, it's going to be like, wait, that dude can't get minutes. I mean, tonight, like, if you base it off the preseason, Jarris Walker's not in the rotation. Yeah. Jordan Wara is not in the rotation. Daniel Tice is not in the rotation. Isaiah Jackson. I mean, at different points. I mean, Jackson and Wara last year were like <laughs> the number three or four options in certain games or playing really meaningful minutes. So um, I really like their depth. And I think when you're playing back to backs, when you're playing, you know, three out of four, or four out of five, that's going to come in handy. So I think those are some other reasons why. You know, once you get in the playoffs, I don't know how much depth can really matter, but. You know, getting to a great record and getting to, you know, nice seating and, 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 you know, one through eight standings, depth is important. And I haven't, I can't tell you last time I've seen a Pacers team that has this, this much depth. It's the non-washed morning wake-up call, Monday through Friday. That's weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Non-washed as they start at 7 a.m. coming up tomorrow morning with a full recap on night number one for the Pacers at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Versus the Wizards, that's part of it. KB, Kevin Bowen, and Andy Sweeney, the other part here. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Enjoy that game tonight, and I'll talk to you on Sunday, I think, on the ride to kickoff at about 9.03. 35-minute shower. That is, wow. That oh, is man. Hey, I'm, I'm cleaning. You don't even want me. I'm cleaning all the crevices, Kev. Yeah, I got See, that's you. another I reason why, yeah. Matt, that's why Maddie's banned, banned the radio from being on <laughs> during this time. Right. My bad. Sorry. 5.30. Yeah, no, I blame you, though. Off. I blame you. You bring it back, and you know I still had some meat on that bone, and you brought it back. You knew exactly what you were getting into, Kevin. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, it was sitting there on a tee. I had to. <laughs> Talk to you later, buddy. Have a good one. <laughs> See you uh, Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, and his wife not listening. Uh, live from Harris Hoosier Park, racing at Casino in Anderson. It's where we are today, having a great time. We'll come back with you on the other side of Harris Hoosier Park, race of the day, some calls in Stifaket, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, man. Sometimes the NBA can be great. And I was talking about James Harden a little bit earlier. So according to Shams earlier today, he shows up with the Sixers with his bags packed, ready to go on the road. And the Sixers said, why don't you stay your ass at home? Is that the national anthem right here? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what. Let's stand. You turn that down. The national anthem is playing here at Harris Hoosier Park, racing at Casino in Anderson. There you go. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Um, I, I, I never feel comfortable. I can't talk over the national anthem, and I can't sit here and talk over the national anthem. So um, we uh, certainly recognize that here. At Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson, you know, I mentioned the whole James Harden thing, too. I, if I were Philadelphia, the further away he is from us, the better. 
But uh, we'll see what ultimately happens. Had his bags packed, ready to go on the road, or they told him to stay home, <laughs> which is probably a great move. Tony Renz joins us. Friend of the show. Big weekend coming up here Friday and Saturday, Tony. You know, it, it's even more than just a big weekend. It's been a big week. We're right in the middle of this. Uh, it started really last weekend with the eliminations. Uh, we had something really fun. Uh, we brought our charity challenge to a culmination mm-hmm. Sunday night. We had the gala here, uh, raised even a little bit more money. We took that total over $210,000 we raised for four local charities, uh, just to remind everyone out there, those charities, uh, we have the uh, New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. That celebrity was uh, Tratter House guys. So if you have some TikTok guys out there, those guys. Well, are one big. of them called me the other day. Oh, did he? Yeah. What? Was he? Is he here? He's. He'll be here uh, Friday. Okay. Yeah. Because he called Friday. me. I want to say I want to get on board. I want to get his TikTok followers to follow me. He's got 9 million TikTok followers. There's three of them. There's uh, Nick Luciana. There's Roy Dinges. Roy Roy called me earlier. Roy Roy only has 6 million followers. uh, Roy called me at the end of last week. And I said, yeah, I'd love to have you come on the show sometime, but I want some of your followers. There you go. 6 million? 6 million. Nick has 9 million, and Blake Moore has right in between them about 7 million. Man. And, That's incredible. Uh, th- those guys, uh, they're going to be out here Friday and Saturday night with us enjoying racing. I know they're going over to Cowpokes at some point. They're big Western wear guys. <laughs> so uh, they, they went over last time. I think they bought Cowpokes out. Did they really? Oh, my gosh. I yeah. know they're big Western wear guys. Uh, other so. charity out there uh, helping veterans and families. Yeah. Uh, when we did this again, I said I want one veteran charity in there. Helping veterans and family came in. Rob Kendall's the celebrity. Rob there. Kendall. Rob Kendall is on there. Uh, then we have the Indiana Center for Prevention of Youth. The abuse. Rob Kendall. The Rob Kendall from WIBC. That one. Your buddy, your pal. Uh, Rob Kendall. Yeah. From Brownsburg. That one. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, he was a part of. Shout it. out to Rob Kendall. Yeah, he did a real nice yeah. job. Uh, Indiana Center for Prevention of Youth Abuse and Suicide. That celebrity's Gary Brackett. He'll be up here Friday night with us, um, and I'm going to tell you why. And then JMV with Teachers Treasures. Yes, sir. Friday night we announced the winner, so we will just we will divide that two hundred ten thousand. I love that. Thank you guys very much. I know Margaret. You you saw Margaret last Thursday. Such a lovely lady. Margaret is so awesome for Teachers yeah. Treasures. I love our educators, and I'll always back them up no matter what. And. Uh, it is, it is really special for them. But thank you for doing that, too. Yeah. You know, it's, certainly with Gary and with Rob as well. It, um, it, it's something so. a, a gentleman in harness racing yeah. up in Canada started, Marvin Katz in 19. I've got to know him well. And he wanted to touch the communities that the Breeders' Crown comes into. Uh-huh. And he, did, he wanted to stay with local charities. And so we, we've kind of embraced that with Marvin. And this is our second go-around in 20, we raised, I think, 126000 Now we're at 210000 So uh, we're real proud of that. Uh, we invite everyone to come out that Friday night. We're going to determine who the winner is, and then we'll divide that money up. I think the winner is going to get somewhere around like 85000 Wow. Uh, 63000 then 40000 and 25000 awesome. So it's Thank you very much money. for that. Yeah, That's absolutely. fantastic. Absolutely. That is and, uh, Margaret, as you saw. Last Thursday when we were at Free Spirit together is thrilled, too. 
Yeah. So yeah, absolutely geez. thrilled. We we had all the charities out here Sunday. They brought people out, That's got great. on stage, talked a little bit about it. It was a great environment. We had a lot of fun with it. Tonight we have Fright Night. Yep. Um, I seen this for the first time last year because I was gone for a year mm-hmm. and then I came back. And last year there must have been 500 kids out here tr- trick or treating. I've already seen some stream through here. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, at some point before you leave, just glance over that railing. It's amazing how many kids come out for that. That's great. Uh, it's free. If you're near Anderson, stop by. If you're dressed up, great. If you're not, go get a pillowcase and just come on out. Now, you're coming to Kipps tomorrow. Our Larceny Bourbon Locks, Lunasville Tequila Shots, and a Tavern Tour stop at Kipps on the north side tomorrow. I have not. I don't know if I've ever been to Kipps. I've never done a show there for sure. It's going to be a first time tomorrow. Oh, you're going to love Kipps. That's old Ricky Miller's place. Uh, Where is that location, by the way? It's over there off 96 and like Allisonville, I believe. And, is that where that Michigan turn is right yes, there? Yes, yes. Wow. That's is right, it where, right in there where that subway is right in there? Kind of, yeah, on that left quadrant. How can I get there if I'm coming in from the 465? I, I don't know if the old truck will do the Michigan turn. <laughs> I might have to get in the grass. <laughs> but that's uh, a Kips, and I've never been there before. I can't when, wait. When you're doing that Michigan turn, just don't steal any signs. Well, nothing's ever good coming out of Michigan, with the exception of Winshuler's Spreadable Cheese. There you go. So, and the Michigan turn certainly would not be good right there. So that's tomorrow. So I'd love to see you out there as I, well. I'm definitely going to try to make it by, at least have a sample or yep. two, and then I'll come up here for some horse racing, and then we get ready for Friday, Saturday, and it's big, big time. All right. Tell people how they can get involved. You can get tickets right now. Tickets, Ticketmaster.com. Just search Breeders Crown. Uh, there is a, uh, go on Hoosier Parks Twitter, and there is a discount code on there. So uh, as we get a little closer, we discounted some of the tickets, but they're going quick. Man, it's going to be a blast. Biggest weekend of the year, huh? It is. Biggest weekend in Indiana for horse racing. you got Champions Day down at Horseshoe, Breeders' Crown up here. And thank you very much for what you've done with the charities, especially with mine. I know Rob would say the same thing if he were here, and I'm sure Gary would as well. But uh, thanks for doing that for Teacher's Treasures. Absolutely. Man. John, thank you for coming out. We always I love coming time. up here. You know that. So absolutely love it. Always a great time. Tony Renz right there, everybody. Tony Rins. Um, we'll see you tomorrow at Kips. You know, we got a tavern tour stop and a Larceny Bourbon Locks Luna's Old Tequila Shots combination platter with Brent Halverson. And uh, you can meet Tony out there coming up tomorrow at Kips Pub on the north side tomorrow. Quick break. We'll return. Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day 50 50 in betting and dining from right here at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Your Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day winner, Glenn Elliott, everybody. Shout out to Glenn right there. The winning horse is named Double A Jasper. Paid eleven twenty on a $2 bet. The $2 exacto was forty sixty. The 50-cent trifecta. Twenty nine fifteen. Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day. Tuesday through Friday right here. And the winner, 50-50 in betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. It's our location today. And again, the Breeders' Crown coming up on Friday and Saturday. And Jake Query and I will do an afternoon show, actually a midday show coming up on Saturday from a Horseshoe down in Fairland, Indiana, outside of Shelbyville. So that should be a good time as well as they're having a huge Saturday down in Shelby County. Jake and I will be there for you 
coming up on uh, Saturday midday. So be ready for that. I mentioned two tomorrow. Lost City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. It's a combination for you. Me, Brent Halverson, our betting analyst. It's our week eight. Lost City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. I have not looked, but I think I got absolutely demolished over the weekend. Seriously. And not in a good way. Did I get demolished? Oh, did you? Because remember, I went with a lot of favorites, but I got, from what I believe, got demolished, and I'm sure we'll bring that up tomorrow. Also, it's a part of a tavern tour stop, and we'll be at Kip's Pub right there off of Allisonville tomorrow. And uh, join us there for the free samples with Heaven Hill Distillery. It's always a blast. We'll see you at Kipps tomorrow. Bud Light Blue Friday. We're going to have Saints Colts tickets to give away on Friday. Back nine. Danny Hayes, shout out. Ron Colley, Danny Hayes. Uh, we'll be down at uh, back nine coming up on Friday. Bud Light Blue Friday with Saints and Colts tickets to give away. All right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go to a couple of calls here. And then we're going to have some time after 6 to do some anything go. So if you're on hold and you don't get on right now, hang, because we'll go into a little bit of the 6 o'clock hour and do a smidge of anything goes. Fulton is at 239-1070. Fulton, hey, welcome to the Jimmy, show. how are you? My buddy, I'm doing fantastic. I got your information. Thank you very much for sending that. Yeah, you're welcome. Did you get the tickets or buy any tickets? I am fired up and ready to go, brother. All right. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you. Hey, Fulton, thank you very much for hanging, listening to the show, and uh, we'll stay in touch, and I'll see you soon. You know that. Yeah. Uh, what day you guys coming? Do you know? I, I don't know yet. Your dog's barking, Fulton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she, she wants to go for a walk, dog. I understand. No, hey, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty much last minute type of guy this time of year. I just don't know when and where I have to be. So anyway, I am on the case, my friend. But thank okay. you for hanging as always. Hopefully, hopefully you can come on Fridays or whatever time you want. I'm gonna do my best up there to hang with you as usual, just to give back because you're such a a great caller and a great listener to the show. Thank you, Fulton. Uh, you're welcome, JMV. Talk to you soon. Fulton is a good dude right there. Hey, tell me this. I know we got people on hold, James. You want to wait and go into Anything Goes with these two calls to start with next? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Todd and Derek. We know Todd and Derek. They're going to lead. They get a little extra special treatment because they're going to start with Anything Goes because we got to go to the Pacer game after Colts Daily Update. We've got about six or seven minutes of Anything Goes. That's coming up here after 6 o'clock. 239-1070 is your opportunity to jump on board if you want. It's Anything Goes after 6. Live from Harris Hoosier Park, racing and casino in Anderson. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. First time in a long time. A little anything goes. Pacers open up tonight. Gambridge Fieldhouse. Boiling the gang. Bottom of the hour. I got you with the pregame show. 
7P, the tip against the Washington Wizards. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino here at Anderson. We've got time for you. 239-1070. Some anything goes. James has got the controls back there. James, let's get Derek on line three at 239-1070. Hello, Derek. Hey, JMV. What's going on? Derek, I'm waiting on you to call. Go ahead. Oh, oh man, I wanted to come up there today, but um, I'm at Finch Creek Mojo up with my kids' uh, flag football game. So I couldn't make uh, it Oh, yeah. I was down near there a little bit earlier at Ford's Garage. Know all about yeah. that, certainly. Yep. Yeah, and Anderson's not too far from me. But uh, uh, anyway, I just wanted to call. And I'm glad I got on anything goes. Um, I'm going to come try my best to get by Kips tomorrow. Um, but I need you to do a favor for me. Okay. Uh, rem- remind Brent that he was supposed to bring me a little something-something. Brent Halverson, a little something-something needs to be brought. I will do yeah. it. He told me yes. he was going to bring me a little something-something, and I need to come pick it up. So I didn't want him to forget. Well, I know what the something-something is, yeah, and we yeah. all need it. So, yes, but, I know um, exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I'm real busy with my wife's surprise birthday party Saturday, and she doesn't know anything. I got people coming from all out of town. Uh, awesome. It's going to be a big thing. Well, give her our best, and I'll tell Brent that on my way home. Okay. Well, I will see you guys tomorrow. You got it, Derek. Thank you very much. Kips for our Tavern Tour, Larceny, Bourbon Locks, Luna, Azul, Tequila Shots, Week 8 combination tomorrow. Kips Pub off of Allisonville. I guess if you go up Allisonville, if you go past the Michigan turn, you've gone too far. I guess you've got to use the Michigan turn, right, to come back. Hell, I don't know what I'm talking about. 239-1070. Anything goes. Todd, line two. Hello, Todd. So um, the way my schedule works out, I will actually be at Kips tomorrow, so I'll see you. Um, well done. I may park at the Indianapolis Zoo and walk over, but I'll be there one way. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, in, a, in a serious note, I really appreciated how you handled the national anthem earlier. Um, yeah, I can't talk about the national anthem. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. Can't do it. You got you got the list like Nelson parts in, so we heard it. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just can't. I can't do it. And you know, it, it, they don't. I, I, you know, obviously, I don't dictate when they end up playing that up here. And I just, I always want to be. I, I try to be as respectable as, as possible. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I, so I, I think about how it. my grandfather would feel about that, and I don't think he'd want me talking about, you know, how many showers I take and how long I take them over the national anthem. So yes. I to show some respect. No, I admire how you did that. That was great. That Thank was you, great. buddy. Appreciate hey, it. Um, one thing, um, if Bone has a 5 o'clock every uh, week on uh, on a Wednesday, um, bring this up. I think you know I'm in the uh, Fantasy League, the Morning Show Fantasy League. By the uh-huh. way, at this point, Mark Dighton is clearly leading the league, and we need to follow up on the uh, the offer you made. Uh, is is uh, Sweeney going to have to be Mark uh, Dighton? back to his butler for a day. So that was, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure there was a consolidation on that or not, but right. um, that's how it would, uh, would, would play out now. So just kind of um, bring that up uh, to KB. You got it. Yeah. You got it, Todd. And, I'll see you tomorrow at Kips. All right. See you, buddy. Thank you. You got it. Uh, anything goes. Line one, Steven. Steven, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, JMV? How are you doing? Steven, thank you. I'm doing fantastically. What's up? I don't got much for you, but let's beat the hell out of those Wizards, man. How about that? Get off to a great start. I don't want to be mad about anything tomorrow. Get off to a great start. So you, as well as Kevin Bowen, 
are coming on to my side of thinking about must wins here, aren't you? You're right here. Yep, might as well. There's no better way to start it. it. I love it, Stephen. Enjoy the game tonight, too, buddy. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Daryl is next on Anything Goes, line four, two, three, nine, ten, seventy. Hello, Daryl. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Daryl, I could not be better. Thank you for asking. What's up? Hey, I'm going to give you a little a little direction to get to Kibbs Pub tomorrow. You're going to get off 465 Allisonville Road exit. Oh. Yep. You're going to turn. You're going to go northbound. Yes. And there's going to be a light there to turn right into the parking lot. You're going to see a liquor store, a laundromat, and that's where you want to go. Is there a subway right there, too? No, the subway's gone. There's a taco joint there now. Ah, okay. So I don't have to go all the way to that uh, Michigan left or whatever the hell that is, right? Yeah, the the light before that, you're going to turn left into the parking lot, and Kips is in the back corner of that complex. I'm ready. I'm ready for a rocking good time. There's a Royal Laundromat, a taco place, and a a, a couple other things in there. I may wash my clothes up there while I do the show tomorrow, too. I could do both. Multitasking. You can even take those clothes in, and they'll do them for you while you're doing your show. Oh, that's even better right there. Will they do corduroy pants? I get a lot of corduroy pants. Yeah, I like the sound that. of them when I walk. Dollar, dollar seventy-five a pound, they'll get them done for you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I'll see you hopefully tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow, brother. Brian's next. Anything goes at 239-1070. Hello, Brian. Hello. Uh, Jane V. I'm a Morgan County resident, but growing yes, up, at 9655 Allisonville Road, my sister and my brother-in-law had three horses and 20-something cows, and it was a beautiful thing, you know. And I just saw Castleton just get burned up, you know what I mean? But it was it was just very cool. When, when was this? this? How long ago? This is in the early 70s. Early seventies. I used to yeah. I used to fish across from that cemetery in a pond and catch big bass. We had horses, cows, and now it's a condominium project. Yeah. But yep. you know, things change. It's, hey, I will say this. I think about that all the time. For example, Alice when I'm road, Alice in yeah. the road used to be kind of normal. Back then. Well, I think about it this way. So I, I came up to Anderson today, and where I go off of Ford's Garage in Noblesville used to be where we would get off to go to what was called Deer Creek Music Center then. And there was right. this little strip mall that had like an Amish furniture store there and nothing, yes. absolutely nothing else up there. And right. now, now to recognize what's all up there compared to what used to be is absolutely amazing. It is. It it is amazing. Well, I just want to say that you know I had that used to be farmland. You know, at one time, you know, you got it. Well, shout out to okay. Morgan County. I'm right there too. Oh, yeah, I'm right close to you. All right, All thank right. you. Talk to you soon, Brian. Thank you very much. I'm actually on the Morgan Johnson line. I'm assuming since I'm on the Morgan side, I'm allowed to go ahead and flush my toilet just right out the window and and right down to the ditch. I don't think I have. Do I have to have? It's necessary. I think Morgan County is a little bit lenient on their flushable rules. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Hey, well, I'm thinking about it, too. I think I only gave away one bullseye pass today or one combination pass. Want to do that, James, really quick before I bail? Yeah, let's do it. You know what? This is from me to you. 
for hanging in past 6 o'clock on Anything Goes. Bullseye Event Center, bullseyeeventgroup.com. That's the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Coming up on Sunday, the FanDuel Lounge has former Colts players a part of it, too. Doors open at 10 a.m. Number nine is going to go on me. Thank you so much for hanging. Number nine at 239-1070 is a winner. Kip's Pub tomorrow. Tavern Tour Stop, Week 8, Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, me, Brent Halverson, Kipps Pub on Allisonville Road tomorrow. Up next, the Colts Daily Update, but after that, here we go. Pacer, Hoopage, Smart Boyle's got you for the pregame show. The call of the action, Wizards and Pacers. Opener, Gambridge Fieldhouse. Enjoy that. Cam, great job from you, James, as well. Talk to you guys and see you guys tomorrow at 3 at Kipps on the north side. Have a great night.